The United States is canceling a routine intercontinental ballistic missile test because they're actually concerned about escalation of nuclear war. I think this shows the U.S. is taking it seriously, and I think it's good news. I think it shows that there is an interest in in preventing it. Right now, we're hearing that Russia is, well, their foreign minister has said World War III will be nuclear. It will be devastating, effectively telling NATO, if you interfere in Ukraine with what's going on, you're going to start World War III. It's going to be nuclear. And I think the one thing we should all be focusing on is whatever we can to make sure something like that doesn't happen. I don't believe in mutually assured destruction, though, and, and, and we'll get into that. I do think a nuclear war would be devastating, but I don't think it would be like the movies. So I, I will just stress it, it is good news is happening. We have a bunch of really crazy news, though, coming out of uh, what's happening with Ukraine. EA Sports is going to be removing Russian teams from video games. Wow. The Iron Man is banning Russian and Belarusian athletes. It's just civilians. <clears throat> they're talking about shutting. There, there was a call. I guess uh, someone in Ukraine wants Russia to be cut off from the Internet. You know, everybody needs to calm down a little mm. bit. Certainly, I think Russia's invasion is wrong. Yeah. They're the aggressors. But let's try and de-escalate things. That's why I wanted to lead with this story about the U.S. canceling this Minuteman 3 uh, ICBM test, because I think, it's, I think it's, a, it's, a, it's a good gesture so far. It's just a test. I don't think it's, it means a whole lot. But, you know, I want to have some good news. I don't want to just be like the apocalypse the world is ending. So we're going to talk about this. And then we got something that I think is absolutely fascinating. Chile has passed an anti-discrimination bill. For, for employment, where you cannot discriminate against someone who has altered their genetic material or have been mutated. Now, that is strange, and I think it'll be interesting to talk about, especially in the context of the Great Reset, the World Economic Forum, and uh, just a lot of what's been going on with these, these uh, strange international dealings. Joining us to discuss all of this is Majid Nawaz. Hey, it's Majid. Majid. So who are you? What do you do? Good to be here. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, I, I'm here to have great conversation with all you guys. I am uh, uh, based in the UK. Uh, for your viewers and listeners, I uh, have a, uh, up until recently, used to have a show in the UK on the largest commercial radio group. Um, that ended in some controversy, and I'll be setting up soon my own show uh, uh, to stand on my own feet and hopefully broadcast again from the UK. We've just acquired a studio, actually. Looking forward to it. You should come on my show when we're ready. Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. You were on LBC, right? I was, yeah. yeah. What, 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 London Broadcasting? Is that Leading it? Britain's Conversation. Leading Britain. Oh, yeah. no, I'm way off. Yeah. It, was, uh, <laughs> it started, no, you're right. It started as London's, I think it was London's biggest conversation back uh-huh. in the old days. But then it very soon went national and, that, and then obviously via online broadcast went global. Um, and uh, it was, uh, we had a, I had a weekend show it was doing quite well. But my views on um, opposing mandates, COVID mandates, mm-hmm. I call them. And uh, calling out Klaus Schwab. Yeah, the yeah. They led, they, led to, they led to some difficulties and controversy. That'll be yeah. interesting to talk about. So yeah. we'll definitely get into that. I think that uh, absolutely has a, a role to play in um, – it plays a role in, in the conflict. You were mentioning something that we'll get into, that this journalist who is saying World War Three has started and calling on Boris Johnson to, to start, you know, trigger a no-fly zone – you said that she was a young global leader for the World Economic Forum. Yeah, I mean, do you want me to? We can pull that up. Actually, we'll, we'll pull it up. We'll do it. Yeah, okay. I, just as yeah. a preview, I'll mention sure. that. So yeah. we'll get into all that stuff. And uh, that was in Poland. Yes, in yeah. Warsaw. Crazy, crazy yeah. story. I didn't know that you brought it up. Yeah. yeah. So this is going to be fascinating conversation. 
And uh, so thanks for coming. We also have Love Doctor. Is that what you want me love to say? Love Dr. Coglin, as they call me, host <laughs> he of like, Shimcast IRL. You better introduce IRL. me as the Love Doctor. I'm like, what? We talked about this before. I'm Love Dr. Coglin. People ask advice from me. You were going to give me a show on your network. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. I support it. Tim has a very selective memory <laughs> yeah, here. Yeah, sure. But uh, I am Seamus Coglin, Love Dr. Coglin, host of Shimcast, creator of Freedom Tunes. Uh, I'm wearing a suit because it is... Ash Wednesday and I was at Mass, and as you know, when I wear a suit, I take over the show. That's so true. This, is, this is Shimcast. <laughs> I'm very glad you guys, Seamus and Majid, you guys, Majid. Is it Majid or Majid? Both work. Oh, cool. One is, uh, the, Majid is the Urdu pronunciation, and Majid is the Arabic pronunciation. What was the first word? Oh, Majid and Majid. Is, is the what pronunciation, the Urdu? Urdu, Urdu. Urdu. Yeah, which okay. is the language in Pakistan, and Hindi in India is the same language, but different script. Do you have a preference? Uh, Majid works, it, because Majid. that's, yeah, in the UK, that's pretty much from school age what people okay call. i'm glad you're here you know i'm it's ash wednesday like you said and i'm big mm-hmm. on like bringing islam and christianity together i maybe we'll do that today sure <laughs> or at least work towards it <laughs> we're gonna fix that man yeah. you, you think we're gonna convert all of them to christianity it's one oh, step at a time boy. baby yeah. the journey is the destination just, just we'll solve think, that one you know, it's like 50 years or later and there's like some kids in school and they're like well the unification <laughs> happened when seamus cog and right. imagine was had yep. a conversation right. yep. all truth has had, truths have been revealed <laughs> We got Lydia. They were prior. Yes, I'm also here. Very excited for our, I think this is our first guest from the UK. Hopefully really? we're doing more. But of I've been on before so. with the Tim. That's right. Tim Paul show. A, but that, that, yeah, was but a different show. That was before yeah. this show, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I still, I still. What happened to that show? So that's, I still do it. Um, I just don't do interviews. How many shows do you have, man? <laughs> well, I have three YouTube channels. Yeah. And, um, so two of them are very similar. It's yeah. like me monologuing. Yeah. But the, uh, the, the, the Tim, youtube.com slash Timcast is, Talking at the biggest story of the day or whatever, and then the I, YouTube.com slash Timcast News is kind of like morning news, yep. and then some culture thing. What I did I about. come with you on? The Tim Pool, my, my original YouTube channel. Right. So I interviewed you on there. OG. And basically, yeah. what happens is I decided to yeah. move interviews to a different format. Yeah. Instead, of, because it was like it, it didn't work. If people liked listening to just like me straight talking about news, yeah, very different from a conversation. So we kind of split them off. Yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah, I, I interviewed you out, and I, I'm pretty sure it was California. I can't remember. All I remember is meeting you. We were in a room somewhere. You had a little thing recording. Maybe it device. was London. I think it was London, man. I think so. But been there, been who there knows, a bunch. man? It was a while back, though. It was a few years ago. Is this still online? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm cool. I'll probably yeah, for find sure. it. Yeah. Right on. Yeah, yeah, you were talking yeah. about the regressive left. Yeah, that was early days, man. Before that, yeah, before that phrase became popularized. Somebody right? was like, "You got to talk to Magic." He coined the term regressive left. Yeah, you know what? It was before. So I had this chat with Sam Harris in this. Um, it eventually became this book that he and I co-authored together, "Islam and the Future of Tolerance." Um, and I used it in in that conversation with him, and the and the phrase blew up. But actually, it had already been used in my autobiography, "Radical," which I think is 2012. I was well, very upset with the left because they they had, had adopted this kind of relative approach to morality that I I found was uh, seeds of tyranny. Uh, well, yeah, precisely. Well, we'll get into that too. Yeah. So uh, before we get started, head over to timcast.com, become a member, help support our work. We're gonna have an absolutely fascinating members only segment. So yeah. if you go to timcast.com, you will get access to segments from the Timcast IRL podcast, which go up around 11 p.m. Monday through Thursday. We didn't have one yesterday because it was a State of the Union, and you know Lauren got drunk. It's uh, great. You know, awesome. we, we, on we, air? we yeah. What was that on air? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we were we were drinking every time Biden did something, yeah. you know, yeah. like predictable. She was and, just drinking the whole time. She was just drinking yeah, the whole time. 
But it was funny when Biden said we got to secure our secure our borders. She just yells based, <laughs> laughing like I can't believe Biden would say that. It was it was fun. But uh, we went we went long and we, we didn't have a member segment. We're going to have one tonight. It's going to be really fascinating. So you're not uh, don't miss it. As a member, you're helping keep all of our journalists employed and you're helping us expand the website. And things have been going pretty well. Thanks to all of you who are supporting our work. So don't forget to also smash the like button, subscribe to this channel, share the show wherever you can and take the URL, post it on Facebook, Twitter, whatever you can do if you want to help out. Spread the word. And then let's get into this first story, which I think is it's it's small, but I think we got some good news here. The Wall Street Journal reports U.S. cancels ICBM test, uh, a test launch amid Ukraine tensions. The move follows Putin's threat to increase readiness of Russia's nuclear forces. They say the Biden administration has canceled a routine test launch of an Air Force Minuteman three missile to avoid escalating nuclear tensions with Russia. U.S. officials said Wednesday, the Air Force had planned to conduct the test launch from Vandenberg Air Force Base in the early hours of Thursday, March 3rd. And Wednesday, however, the administration decided to postpone the test launch amid tensions with Kremlin over Ukraine. So the news that was coming out is that um, the foreign minister in, in Russia said World War Three will be nuclear. It will be devastating. Basically, some have called it a thin, thinly veiled threat to NATO. You screw with us, we drop bombs. Others have said it's kind of just a truth that it will come to nuclear war and that he's not trying to say, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll blow you up. But uh, I, I, I see this as maybe not the most important or impactful thing in the world, but I think it shows the U.S. is not willing to, to push, to push, to, to, to bring us to that conflict, if even for just something as small as a routine test. Rightly so. But what do, you, what do you think? Do you think there's a real prospect for uh, escalation outside of Ukraine well, or nuclear Well, war? there is, there is a, a danger of escalation if you look to what some of the politicians are, are, are pushing there. You, you, you look at some of the voices and how they've been talking about this war, and it's worrying. I don't think it's going to happen, but I do worry about some of these voices. The, it's interesting if you notice a pattern, right? The same voices that wanted to, uh, to impose COVID mandates on everybody else to protect themselves are the same voices that would want to send our sons and relatives to war to protect themselves. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, well, I, I tell you, I got a, I got some applications for the army for everybody who's in favor of U.S. intervention. By all means, sign on yeah. up and head on yeah. over. And they won't. It. Of course. They'd of course, rather yeah. we go. They don't want to go. They'd rather we go and, 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 and serve their aims and their purposes. We're still, I think they'd rather your children go. Yeah. Exactly. Horrifying. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how it's always been, though. You know, yeah. every you're still is, fighting age, though, Tim. Me? Yeah. Uh, I'm 35. I'm going to yeah. be 36 in seven yeah, yeah, days. Yeah, still fighting age. I suppose. Yeah, don't don't yeah. say and, he's going to start walking around with a cane. Okay. And I will, I will, I will brag. My resting heart rate, 48. Yeah, don't you're, say, you're, you're all right. Well, you just yeah. got drafted, buddy. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> My goodness. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I, I've been, uh, uh, I got this health app and I've been, yeah. you know, blood pressure has improved yeah. dramatically. You're I making it worse. Diet. I've been exercising. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, that's a, you're a super soldier is what I'm you're just, saying. I'm just, I'm just like, really, I don't want to fight in the war, but I would be the best soldier. I wouldn't by myself. This is, I'm just, it's like, I feel like it's a great accomplishment for myself to be getting healthy. You know, I feel like everybody should do that. Absolutely. I'm just going to brag about it. Uh, look, well, that, if it, the military is watching, I'm just in horrible shape. There's no <laughs> Seamus. Seamus's <laughs> feet are so flat. The flattest feet yeah. ever. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I can say that's it's good news. I'm happy they're doing this uh, because it, it is it's good to de-escalate. But some of the rhetoric. I mean, we had the mayor of London talk about look, you know, if there is a nuclear attack on London, we're ready. That kind of rhetoric is just unnecessary, I think, considering what's going on, and what's going on is worrying. I mean, look, Putin invaded a country. Right. Nobody yeah, can mm-hmm. countenance or can or condone in the invasion of any country. I just find it strange that the voices that 
some of the voices that till this day don't accept it was wrong to invade Iraq or Afghanistan right. are now condemning Putin's invasion of a foreign country. I, I seem to think of it as it, we're invading Iraq right now. It's a constant invasion. Well, we're still there. Yeah, it is. It's, occupation. We are occupying it. and invading that country on a daily basis by being there. It's not like it happened and it's, it happened in the past. Do it's you know happening what, right now. The thing is, what I find amazing with this, and I, I, I think it's, it's really interesting that we're, I believe we're in, George Orwell in 1984 split the world up into uh, four different um, uh, uh, blocks, right? Oceana, mm-hmm. which was right. landing strip one, which is the UK, and then America and its sphere of, sphere of influence, which includes what we call the five eyes. So Australia, Canada, New Zealand, the Anglo-Saxon sphere. The other block that Orwell used in, in 1984 was East Asia, and that just mm-hmm. considered China in that area. And then he had Eurasia, right? Eurasia was Russia and Europe. Yes. And then there was the disputed territory, which... If you think about today, it's very accurate. It, it was the Muslim majority lands mm. that are the subject of the whims of the other three and, and still disputed, right? So if you look at how Orwell divided the world, it's so curious to me today that when you look at these blocks emerging and you look at the current conflict, you can see a Eurasia, the Russian sphere of influence emerging. You can see post-Brexit, Oceania emerging, which is the Anglo-Saxon world. And you can see China already there with East Asia. And you can see that they are all fighting over the resources in the Middle East. It's very curious to see how uh, accurate Orwell's vision yeah, of the world was. I wonder if it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like Jules Verne would draw the submarine eight in 1820 or whenever, yeah. well before they ever created them. And then, you, you know, yeah, art becomes reality. Submarines prior to that, actually. They're, yeah, yeah, very primitive ones. In fact, there or, were plans for submarines drawn up as early as like the late 1500s. Oh, interesting. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Da Vinci, for instance, would, yeah. would pen like um, helicopters. Yeah. He would draw those yeah, well yeah. before they were ever invented. I wonder if Orwell created a fantasy well, he, realm that is now being created. He got, he, yeah, he got the date wrong. Mm, yeah, 1984. Sure we're in 2022. However, I do think it was more than um, a coincidence. Like the he, man, he saw it coming. The man served in wars abroad. He he kind of had a quite a strong grip on on world affairs. But he was a man looking through a keyhole, yeah. trying to see the entirety of a ballroom. Yeah. And so, if you look at Brave New World, I think we're seeing elements of that. Absolutely. Fahrenheit 451. Yep. Prophetic. Indeed. And a V for Vendetta. Even I mean, there's great there's, film. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, graphic novel. And graphic novel. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So uh, graphic novel is very, very different. I've not read yeah. it, but it was very different. But the, the, where I was going with this, though, is that we are unaware of how we are perceived in Oceania. I'm going to use that phrase to refer to the Anglo-Saxon world today, just to continue with Orwell's um, kind of you know, point there. We're unaware how we're perceived. So when we condemn, and we should condemn, Russia's invasion of Ukraine, what we don't realize is that the vast majority of the rest of the world, the vast majority of humanity are laughing at us because we're still in Iraq. This, you talked right. brought up earlier right. how valuable it is to know what the world was like before yep. the internet. If you yep. know what the world was like before the invasion of Iraq, yep. you know that it's not normal. Mm. And it's the bastardization of truth and justice and honesty yep. and leadership. And we've completely lost any moral high ground to talk about this. And that's part of the problem that, you know, the, the media is whipping up such a frenzy over this. And then I remember just two years ago, I went on a five-day hunger strike because of the Uyghur genocide in China. I and, remember that. And the purpose was to get 100,000 signatures on a uh, a petition because there's a parliamentary petition. If you get 100,000 signatures on that petition, you force a debate in parliament. Hmm. Now, we got that um, 100,000 within five days, and then it went to parliament, and then they voted unanimously on the fact that there was a genocide in China, but it was only a symbolic vote, right? mm-hmm. which is why it got through. Yeah. It would not have got through if it wasn't a symbolic vote. So you've got these talking heads, like the mayor of London and others, like uh, certain politicians, warhawks, who are talking about uh, the need to impose a no-fly zone 
over Ukraine, which would mean that we shoot down Russian jets, which is an act of war, right? So these idiots don't realize that you end up declaring war on Russia if you do that. Those same voices were not only quiet about the genocide in China, the Uyghur genocide, but resisted any effort to hold China accountable for it. Yeah, exactly. Well, we had the Olympics there, yeah. and we still sent yeah. our athletes over. And what were you mentioning earlier, Tim, with the, the Russians, that we were pulling their athletes, or can you refresh my Yeah, so well, uh, several organizations have banned Russian and Belarusian athletes from yeah. competing. Like Ironman did it, yeah. and uh, there's, a, there's a couple others, triathlons. The, the spirit of the Olympics is that even if you're at war, you send your best athletes, you let them pass through your territory unhindered, and then they all compete because it's the spirit of human competition is beyond uh, yeah. warfare. I, I just find it so out of touch. And then the, 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 there are these calls. Look, again, I'm going to have to reemphasize every time I say something on this topic, but again, Putin should not have gone into Ukraine. But he's not Hitler. Mm. And there are these people saying he's the new Hitler when you've got an active genocide going on in, in yep, China. Right. And the worst part of this is when you talk about Hitler and Nazism, in Ukraine in 2014, there was a change of regime that we in the West encouraged, the Maidan uprising that Putin would call a coup. Now, whatever That's word right. you want to use, there was regime change that we, we meaning our intelligence agencies, backed with full throttle, wholeheartedly, we backed that regime change because the government in Ukraine was pro-Russia. It pulled out of the affiliation with the EU, and we didn't like that. We wanted it to be pro-West. So we backed that regime change. And who did we bring to power? Nazis, actual Nazis. You, you think Zelensky or, or... No, no, he's not a Nazi. He's Jewish. Yeah. But the, you've got this thing called the Azov Brigade. Yeah, mm, yeah. yeah. The Who, uh, battalion, right? Azov. It's a, yeah, Azov battalion. They are an armed Nazi battalion. Now, the word Nazi, the problem is it's been so overused today that nobody really believes the word Nazi or racist when it actually deserves to be used. But let's just be very clear. These guys have, uh, they are swastika raising actual neo-Nazis. And I mean that in the literal sense of the word. And even the word literal is no longer literally. Yeah, it's literally been yeah. changed. It means something we, else. We talked about this with Lauren Southern as well. It is unbelievable, yeah. right? Well, and, and they are, they are formally incorporated into the Ukrainian National Guard. We funded them, by the way. We, when I say we funded them, actually sent them money. Mm -hmm. uh, we trained them. We funded them. Uh, Canada, the US, and the UK were involved in backing this uh, battalion. And then they were incorporated into the Ukrainian National Guard. And then once uh, Putin attacked, the Ukrainian National Guard, from their official and formal and verified Twitter account, posted a video bragging that this was an Azov fighter dipping bullets in pig's lard wow. saying that he was going to go and find the Muslims. It's like that, uh, that, that urban legend, that apocryphal story. Are you familiar? They, no, they, there's always, they, 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 there's a, a, an American general in, in the Middle East, you know, uh, killed a bunch of Islamic yeah, yeah, soldiers yeah, yeah. And then, but kept one alive. And put pig's blood on the corpses and said, "Go tell everyone what we did." But it's not. I, I believe that story is not true. Yeah, I, I don't think. But this is a, a this one is a video. That's no, been right, right, right. And the thing and I, is, I'm saying it's probably he, he probably saw that meme story on the internet. And maybe. But the thing is, put, let's let's put aside the emotional um, reaction that some people may have to that video, right? And consider it strategically. The mistake historically that Chamberlain made was to appease Nazism in Europe in the belief that they could be of use to defeat the Soviet Union. So we know how that ended. What you've got at the moment is you've got a Nazi battalion as formally incorporated into the Ukrainian army in their military. And neo-Nazis from around the world are now traveling there to train with them. They are armed and they are part of the Ukrainian armed forces. My question is, if, if they win, 
or if Ukraine is split to east and west and they've got the river in the middle, if Putin takes from the upper river, if Putin takes eastern Ukraine and the Ukrainian regime that's there currently keeps the western part, the Nazis that are serving in their National Guard, in their army, who are pretty much the most powerful faction in terms of grassroots uh, mobilization. I mean, guys, there are videos of children's summer camps in Ukraine making Nazi salutes. There's Nazi summer camps. They've had mass rallies. These are actual proper organized Nazis with swastikas, with insignia and everything. Now, imagine in whichever part they end up maintaining, they are now the government. So you've got an actual Nazi government that we funded and Sounds a lot like ISIS. Yeah, sounds like an easy target. And why? How did Al Qaeda get created? The CIA were funding what they the Mujahideen. That's right, right to defeat the Soviets. Now, in, if it's not okay to, <laughs> they don't learn, do they? <laughs> no, it's or, the same over and over again. It's fact, intentional. They did, they did learn, and well, they, they yeah. used no. The same Tim, thing. Here's the thing: they do study history. It's just that World War II is the only thing that ever happened in all of history. So That's anytime right. anything right. happens, we we have to say that guy is Hitler. This, and so, like you said, pointing yeah. to uh, Putin and going, "That guy's Hitler." I mean, I don't know. He's uh, a tyrannical leader over Russia, and now he's imposing himself on Ukraine. Is there anyone in history who that just sounds like a little bit more like yeah, besides yeah, Hitler? Yeah. I mean, he's an illiberal autocrat is the word to describe. Illiberal? He, illiberal autocrat, right? He's a dictator who's not, he's not really keen on elections, mm. but he's not Hitler. There's actual Nazis we're funding. I'm backing. This sounds this like the overthrow of the Shah in Iran when we put the Ayatollah in power and it yeah. was like a radical, well, from what I've learned, and maybe you can well, Ian, enlighten me, it a radical like- Islamic regime in power because we wanted it to fight and dis- destabilize the region no. but then it ended up destabilizing the whole world Ian, Ian, more modern. from my perspective more modern it's it's syria that was 79 yeah. it's, yeah. it's the well, same, is, same see, mo and, and some people some people say look your country's been invaded everyone should fight we don't care if they're nazis and my point is if they're look every country has racists and every country has nazis and every country has jihadist extremists but if you organize them into a formal battalion that's the equivalent. So the analogy is false there with saying every country has racists. The equivalent analogy is the U.S. armed forces having a formal KKK battalion with KKK flags as part of the army. That's the analogy, right? It's shocking. If the U.S. did that, if the U.K. did that, people would be up in arms. But we're funding it in Ukraine. And, and how come uh, many of these woke YouTubers and personalities who uh, have no problem, in fact, monetize... Uh, attacking Nazis are now uh, very much in favor of yeah. our support of these groups in Ukraine. But right, so listen, like uh, promoting a white man at work is deemed racist, but literally funding an actual <laughs> Nazi armed battalion yeah. is is fine. The enemy of my enemy is my friend, yep. so they say. You know? and I'm not a fan of that idea. Well, no, if they're no. going to say that, then I'm going to hold them to their word and say, so why is it wrong to fund ISIS in Syria and go and join them? We've got we've got UK media calling for British citizen volunteers to go and join the Foreign Legion in Ukraine and join these people. So hang on a minute. So when young Muslim men went to join ISIS in Syria, that's terrorism. But you can go and join a Nazi brigade in Ukraine. It's because public perception. Mm. They, they Look, uh, ISIS somehow managed to get, I think the famous image was like a Detroit plumbing company pickup truck in, in Syria or whatever. And everyone's like, how did they get this? Yeah. How did, how, how were what these weapons being given to many of these rebel groups ultimately then, you know, becoming ISIS? And it's because I think it's fair to say, and correct me if I'm wrong, the U.S. wants to, desta- if the U.S. wants to destabilize a region, they provide material support to insurgent groups or extremist groups who then create problems. Well, and so then that begs the question, what's going on in Ukraine, really? Like, why have we been funding armed Nazi battalions who have now been incorporated into the uh, Ukrainian regime. What's going on? I, I feel like it's, it wouldn't be out of the question. And far be it from me, I'm not, I'm not an expert. Um, I think it's possible the country splits in half. Yeah. 
So I, I spent some time uh, during Maidan. I was yep. in, I went to Ukraine and, yep. I, and I got to meet people and uh, talk to them. Everybody down there was pro-EU. Mm. They said getting access to the Schengen zone, getting access to the European Union means a better economy. And Russia wants them to join the, the, the Trade Federation, which is similar, yeah. but much weaker and smaller. And it was a bad deal for Ukrainians. Not to mention, a lot of people I talked to said, honestly, we're scared of what Russia would do if they're given power over us because we saw what happened last time they had power over us. Holodomor. So there, many of these people, especially in Kiev, were very much like, rather be with Europe. Sorry. It seems like the U.S. has been using influence tactics, bribery, manipulation, like we saw with Joe Biden. If you don't, if you don't fire the prosecutor, you don't get the billion dollar guaranteed loans, yep. which is, is criminal and he admitted to it. Uh, it was influence tactics, but the bribes, the cash, the money, it works. Putin didn't have that. Apparently they didn't care enough. But like you mentioned, the regime change in 2014, the president Yanukovych was yep. effectively ousted, fled the country, went to Russia. The new government comes in very pro West. So Russia loses because of that protest. And now it seems his only option. It seems to be a last resort physical invasion. Well, why, why was, why was that so important to him after he lost is, is, is really interesting. Most of Germany's gas comes through Ukraine. Yeah. And that's why he was building Nord Stream 2 to go through the Black Sea to bypass because if you think about Baltic. it, uh, sorry, the Baltic Sea. Yeah. yeah. If you think about it, he had the access through Ukraine. He loses that. And so he tries to build Nord Stream 2 to go straight to Germany. That gets thwarted. Now he's got a problem. By Trump. Exactly. <laughs> right? Interesting, right? Right. Now he's got a problem that he, he's lost, he's lost the gas going through Ukraine because the regime's changed. He can't build it through the sea. But he need, but he, but he's got, he's the second largest oil producer in the world. Now, if you want to understand, you know, in terms of, uh, if Americans want, want to understand how that feels, when Ukraine was lost, as in Putin lost Ukraine, it went into the American sphere of influence. Um, you end up with calls for it to join NATO. And ni ni from 1997, the expansion of, of NATO eastwards has incorporated most of those countries. But Ukraine is right on the border with Russia. So if you go back to the Cuban Missile Crisis, and you remember what it felt like for Kennedy to have those missiles pointed at America from, from Cuba just 100 or so miles away, Putin's got to a point where he's saying, you're building bases on my border. You're asking for NATO membership, and this is my backyard. Why could Ukraine not have stayed, stayed neutral? That's I, the geopolitical conflict that's going on at the moment. I think that's part of it, but Latvia and Estonia are NATO members, and, they, and they're on the border uh, uh, with well, Russia it as was, well. According to Scott Horton, who was just on Kennedy Nation, he was saying that it was Condoleezza Rice that got them into NATO and put long-range Tomahawk missile nuclear Yeah, but they rockets. didn't have the gas going through them. Exactly. So, you know, one of the things I've been saying is there's the belief that um, a lot of people have – a lot of people believe the conspiracy theory. Vladimir Putin is fighting Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum and the New World Order. You had that um, that Ukrainian member of parliament who said that we are fighting for a New World Order. And so there are people who believe that there's this great global battle and Putin is defying it. And I'm like, Putin just wants to make sure he's getting the proper resources in exchange for the oil he produces yeah. so that he can fund his country. I wonder, do you think he has a, some sort of issue with the World Economic Forum and, and a plan? Well, he was on their website. He was a member. So I, I don't know if I don't know if that holds up because he was a member himself and they've just taken his profile off the website. Oh wow! I, when yeah. Switzerland, they just removed him. Switzerland is no longer neutral. They finally declared non-neutrality in a in a war for the first time I've ever seen, and that's yeah. where the Bank of International Settlements is, yeah. which is the central bank of central yeah. banks. Yeah. Well, what what I can say is that when you cancel Russia from SWIFT and Visa and Mastercard, what you are doing is precipitating the 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 need for. Um, for, for, for Russia to develop its own financial system. 
Now, when you when you kick Russia out of that, uh, that could lead to a run on Russian banks. And if there's a run on Russian banks, if Germany, as it is, is dependent on Russian gas, that will have a knock-on effect on Germany's economy. Mm-hmm. And you could end up with Weimar-style uh, hyperinflation. Uh, that could lead to a... In, in Russia? Uh, in, but not just Russia, outside of Russia, because yeah. Germany relies on Russian right. gas. So energy prices spike. We're already seeing that. And that Four huge, bucks for gas out here. Yeah, yeah. So the huge spike in energy prices has a knock-on effect to the point where stagflation uh, really pretty much ends up destroying... Uh, the currency. So it could end up being used regardless of whether it's planned or not. I don't, I tend not to go into intentions. I just look at uh, reality and describe it and say, this is what's happening. So you could end up with a scenario where because of stagflation, uh, the dollar as a, as a global reserve currency comes under intense pressure. And it's that moment that is used as an opportunity to switch over to uh, central banking digital currencies. Well, so, so let me ask you, what is the relevance of Vladimir Putin being kicked out of the uh, removed from the World Economic Forum website? I mean, we're talking about financial uh, currencies. We're talking about the World Economic Forum. It feels like I've got a bunch of points that seem like they're connected: the World Economic Forum, the International Monetary Fund, the SWIFT payment system, Russia being uh, you know starting a war, then being booted. What, what's what's the connection here? I mean, was Russia involved in the liberal economic order? Is he not involved in that? Or I don't think Putin is, but 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 I think that this will be an opportunity for. The introduction of it potentially could be, I should say, uh, for the introduction of central banking digital currencies, um, which I describe as vouchers. But it's, it's, if that's if it sounds like what Putin is doing is going to help make that a reality. Yeah. So it sounds yeah. like that we, makes it yeah. sound like it's one big plot. Well, you don't need to see. This is the thing. We don't need to worry about intentions just to understand what the consequences of these actions are. Yeah, yeah, agree. And that's where people get stuck. They get stuck on intentions. And I'm like, well, it doesn't matter what Putin intended. If the consequences of kicking Russia out of the SWIFT system mean that you end up with this financial money supply division on the planet, you then have got these blocks, Eurasia and Oceania. And, you, and, and what that leads to is... If you can no longer trade with Russian banks, when you're buying Russian gas in your Germany and you can no longer buy from Russia because you can't pay them. Bitcoin. You, and already we see Bitcoin flooding into Ukraine to fund the opposition, right? Yep. Now, how do you control that? Because one thing we do know is Bitcoin isn't in the interests of the banking establishment. So that, that's where you then. Or is it? Well, you tell me. I don't, I think that what they would want to do is introduce central banking digital currencies. That's what they've told us they want. Yeah, I, I think there's a good possibility uh, when you look at the prominence of Bitcoin over the past 10 years, it would not be hard for a, a nation to gain enough control over the network to create faux centralization. Mm. A lot of people say, oh, that can't happen. I don't believe it. But um, what's what's the current market cap for Bitcoin? Do you know? Is it oh, one trillion? My guess is maybe? 2.1 trillion. Let's find out. No, it's going to be less than 1.9 trillion. You could have I market manipulation, right? Yep. You can and manipulate we, the market there. We we absolutely do. China's yeah. been doing it. It's one point nine three trillion. One point nine. No, that's trillion. the global market cap of all crypto right now. Of all crypto, the so Bitcoin market cap is eight hundred and thirty-two billion. Eight hundred thirty-two billion. So let's go back seven years. Mm. The market cap of crypto was substantially less. Mm. The U.S. NATO countries could have easily bought in and controlled more than fifty-one percent of the Bitcoin network, which would give them control over how it works effectively. It's a little bit more complicated than that. I'm trying to simplify it. The fact, the the point is it just requires immense uh, managerial power. But from the early stages, we could see the true power of Bitcoin. I've long speculated and even told all of my crazy anarchists and libertarian friends. I'm like, 
What if, what if, you know, you're buying into Bitcoin? What if that's the global currency? It's public ledger. Mm. Anyone can track. They, the AI systems, their computers, they'll figure out what your address is in seconds. And there's nothing you can do to stop them. You know, I got to tell you, man, I have seen brilliant private investigatorial work from individuals. There, there's a, there's a, uh, an individual who was doxxed in the UK. Uh, he was posting on social media. How did they find out who he was? They knew how, they knew the sound of his voice. So they looked at the average, they, they, they took a bunch of his posts and then found the average time of posting. And they said, this shows the individual is in this region of the UK. They then then looked for a person who fit key details, background, age, interests, hobbies. A human being did all of that work. Imagine what a computer can do when you're doing transactions. They'll instantly know what part of the world you're in. From there, they break it down. They know what you're buying because they know what everyone else is buying. The Bitcoin ledger is going, it is, it is publicly trackable. And when they talk about Zcash and Monero, which are two cryptos, which are supposedly secure, we learned that the FBI was able to track Monero payments when they arrested that, uh, that woman, crocodile of Wall Street lady. Yeah. I, I think there's, I'm not saying, I'm a big fan of Bitcoin. So you're, you're talking about the, um, the privacy concerns on the ledger, but what you still can't do is control the, the supply. I mean, you can manipulate the price. You can control the supply. Of Bitcoin. It's called a 51% attack. If you control no. at more than... No, I mean the, the overall amount of Bitcoin in the world. Once once it's hit its um, maximum cap, right? You can't just print more Bitcoin once that's done. Right, right, right. You know? Bit- Bitcoin... like fiat I, currency. But um, with a 51% attack, you can effectively do anything you want. Yeah. So if you control more than half of the nodes, then you basically tell the, 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 the fork what to do. Now, of course, if you go too hard, you'll create a hard fork and it'll split the, 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 the blockchain in half. We've seen that happen on, a, on accident before. To, what I'm saying is, I don't know if it's true. A lot of people say, no, Tim, calm down. This can never happen. But if the U.S. and Western powers or even China and Russia bought in very, very early on and have maintained growth of their of their uh, Bitcoin nodes, they could absolutely control more than half the network, which gives them control of the entirety of the system. So I think what you're describing is the um, compared to what can be done with fiat money in a in a sovereign nation is probably a less worse case scenario than what we currently have with Bit- the control of the money supply. Well, that's for, it's Bitcoin's horrible great. what's going on right now. Yeah. They can print yeah. $800 yeah. Billion of fiat and then just yeah. buy all the Bitcoin. Now, there's, there's also concerns about um, quantum computing, being yep. able to crack private keys, in which case the system is just a facade. That, that though, could be met. So quant- if what, when we reach quantum power in that way uh, and it's sustainable, I think you, you also end up with quantum encryption that can actually... Y- y- so you, the technology improves in its encryption capabilities not just in its hacking capabilities exactly, exactly. quantum resistance we, we, yeah. right yeah. yeah so so um the the bitcoin community the all the people involved could choose to hard fork on purpose with new resilience and, and new technology i will say this it is my personal opinion that bitcoin will become a dominant global standard for exchange and store of value in some meaningful way I've I've long thought that was the case, and that's why I've said, "How do you know this is not the global currency? I, that that's something they want?" But I'll put it I'll put it very simply. I've long said I believe one Bitcoin will become worth a million dollars, equivalent buying power. Yep. <clears throat> I believe we're on track for that. I don't know exactly when or how, but I do believe that. Uh, and I've certainly bought my share of Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies because I truly believe it. I'm not telling anybody what to do. I'm just saying what I've done. I believe there comes a time we're watching what's happening in Russia. 
every incentive is being given to them to back their financial markets using Bitcoin as the facilitation mechanism. That's, or, yeah, that's the consequence of what's happening. Or a central yeah, bank token, which is worse than, well, it's, it's different than a crypto because it's not on a blockchain. It's just a central bank. They have it on a ledger, but it's a digital currency that they can track. It's a less that's a disaster. I know. Because I could tell you from there, this is what I'm worried about because I could say, right, uh, you're not going to buy meat this week. You've had your quota. Which you, you can't, even if you can manipulate the Bitcoin uh, price, if you control 51%, what you can't do is say, right, you can't use the tiny bit of Bitcoin that you own to buy that meat. You have to buy bugs. It depends on if they can gain control of the exchanges, which mm. they mostly can. So uh, if people are, I'll put it this way, they, they can ban your address from sending or receiving through certain exchanges. So they can say all of our financial institutions and mechanism, the companies that facilitate the exchange, we won't allow it. But the blockchain still exists, which means you could easily find someone who just says, I'll do a direct address transfer Except, outside yeah, of an exchange. They could do yeah. something like a, a centrally controlled economy could do something where if you have crypto, you have to buy NFTs as vouchers. And then you use those NFTs for specific things. So you can only use those NFTs for food, I for liquor, think, for cars. No, that would, it, the currency would need to be fungible. But they can control the system. It doesn't need to be, you know, unique tokens specifically, right? I think this is the, the this is the. So we've got the Chancellor of Exchequer in the UK, Rishi Sunak, openly declaring this uh, 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 that that as the leader of the G7, they're going to introduce central banking digital currencies, right? And these, as this is what I'm calling as vouchers. And uh, you, you, so, fiat money, pretty much at some stage, is going to come to an end. And what you've described as the potential dangers and pitfalls of Bitcoin specifically or crypto generally i still think is a least worst case scenario when you can consider what can happen i, I agree with I agree. cbdc it sounds yeah, no, like i just right? want to say real, real yeah. quick um i'm 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 uh, sort of playing devil's advocate on the potential risks of bitcoin i genuinely think it's it's better but, it's i think it's fantastic yeah. and i think it's going to become a million dollars per bitcoin but it's good that you're doing it because it's like don't let a crisis go to waste and what's happening is the bankers are looking at bitcoin as a crisis and they're trying to make sure that they can turn it into an opportunity just like Joe Biden encouraged us to do last night on this in his campaign speech. Mm-hmm. I, didn't campaign, wa- I didn't watch it. By, I didn't watch yeah, they it called it a State of the Union, but it was just a can- yeah. campaign speech. At the very end, he was like, and what, by the way, the State of the Union, the State of the Union is strong. strong. The State of the Union is strong because the people are strong. And then, strong, strong, strong. And everyone's like, yeah, we're strong. And we're going to end cancer. <laughs> you see that joke where they- you got to watch he, it. At the, end of, at, at the end, he says, go get them. And everyone's like, what? Like what, what, what does that get, mean? Yeah, who? Who? Who's that? And then he's inciting um, an insurrection. Someone well, that's what during someone, the standing ovation, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah and, then, was, and, and then someone, uh, someone I think from the Daily Wire said that was just the part that uh, of the of the prompter that Biden wasn't supposed to read. It was instructions to his handlers. <laughs> <laughs> Go get him. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. We yeah, were debating so, if he said uh, when he was saying the Ukrainian people at one point. He said the Uranian people, and yep, people like, Iranian, he said Iranian. Yeah. The closest, Iranian. the closest real word to the sound he made is Iranian, but it sounded like Uranian. So I was making fun of him, like he's talking about Uranus. I, I think <laughs> Uranus. <laughs> that's how I said. Yeah. He said Iranian. Russia will never get the hearts and minds of the of the, the Iranian people. The Iranian people. Yeah. No matter how never many never. have outside Kiev. But here's 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 the important. Oh yeah, point I want here. to yeah. talk back about him splitting the country. Why why do we believe he meant to say Ukrainian? Who is the person who gets to decide what Joe Biden really meant? If Joe Biden, so he was meeting with the G7 and he said, you know, we got you know troops in Libya. We're going to be sending military. He meant Syria. Mm-hmm. What would happen? What would happen if Joe Biden's in an, you know, an, a, a, a situation room yep. meeting and he's like, uh, we, we, we got to send these weapons to the Iranian people. And then someone was like, are, are you, Mr. President, are you sure? Yeah, we're going to, we're going to send $30 billion, some, uh, some fire jets to, to the Iranian people. And they'll go, 
whatever you say, sir, I'll make it happen. And then breaking news, Iran receives massive payload of cash from the U.S. government. <laughs> Dude, it's not even a joke. But, 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 but hold on. Imagine the alternative. Joe Biden says, we're going to send a pallet of cash to the Ukrainian people. And someone goes, he meant Iranian people. And then they decide for themselves. And exactly. It, yeah. when, they, exactly. when it's hitting the fan and it's wartime, make a decision now. And he says the wrong word. That's death. Well, that's why yeah. it's so dangerous to have a president that effectively is, is mentally impaired. No, and he <laughs> actually, no, we were talking that's about this. That's the most polite way I've ever it's heard It's a very polite it. way yeah. of putting it. And we were yeah. sort of joking about this the other day. We were watching his State of the Union, poking fun at him. It, it is actually genuinely sad. The fact that we were all talking about this after the show this is probably the best speech he's given in his entire yeah. presidency and he's slurring every single word he sounds intoxicated mm. yeah and then when, that's as good as it gets i mean i remember when for him when trump would give speeches and make such mistakes there would be viral videos exactly and they were well, never even close to as bad as biden's mistakes like biden's yeah. best and i'm not saying trump didn't have some gaps but like biden's best day is what we saw yesterday and he sounded drunk he really did i'm not trying to be mean <laughs> yeah, and like if anyone's going to come at me and say that that's really insensitive to say about the president of the united states you are acknowledging that he did sound like that <laughs> oh that's a good point <laughs> yeah. he did realistically he did. now i want to just touch back on ukraine really quick so you think that he's going to try and i think i've been thinking almost every day he's going to split the country in half on that river yeah that, that reservoir yeah, what's yeah, the, yeah. do you know what the name of the river is i can't figure it uh, out what's a reservoir is to refer to as upper river but who knows upper. but there's the east and the west right yeah. so the side that's on the russian side that's the east of that river will probably go to look i say probably let's hope there's no world war three right mm. so if if yes. look ultimately putin's gone in there now and he's not just going to leave that right he's, he's gone in there for a reason for whatever reason so probably this is the the outcome that it will end on which is that you'd end up with a split ukraine and kiev like the kievan rus i think that was the yeah. history of the russians was kievan kievan rus yeah so and it's in kiev. his backyard right so you know they are pigs i mean america's done all of this stuff iran contra affair mm. you know i know i want to i want to speak out against it but like to sit in silence while my brethren are, are conquering and kicking doors in in iraq is, or, is, i don't know if they're still doing that but they were if our well, president is uh as you described it mentally impaired indeed, yeah. yes can't speak straight how is he going to prevent russia from doing whatever it is russia intends to do is exactly. it because is someone else is in charge well, no, but he's not going to he's if you know what has he done I mean, look. Well, they canceled this ICBM test, which is in some ways good. But that's not preventing Russia. Right. That's just not escalating a conflict. Right. Which is good, by the way. I'm happy. But no one's going to stop what Putin's decided to do unless you want war with Putin. And this is the problem, that you've got an option right now. Putin went in and called everybody's bluff. Now, either we engage directly with Russia, and that's World War Three, which I don't think is a good idea, in particular because we don't have the moral high ground. You know, our own countries have gone and invaded countries. And when we went into Iraq and Afghanistan, the last thing we expected um, was for Russia to attack us directly because we invaded Iraq or Afghanistan. You know what narrative I really love? Yeah. There's a story coming out where it said Vladimir Putin believed the invasion would last only 15 days and the government would collapse and uh, they would come in and it would be clean. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and we thought we'd be greeted as liberators. Mm. The same, same narrative. Yeah. Uh, this is it. It's just people are very, very out of touch. And they, they, I find it amazing how... Um, there is now almost, it's expected that we take a line on this, that is, uh, this word jingoism, right? It's a very jingoistic line that we're expected to take, almost as if we must uh, back direct action, action against, uh, against Russia. So that question, on, on your point, that question that the journalist put to, um, to Boris Johnson when he was in Poland, I say journalist, 
it was somebody purporting to be a journalist who stood. Well, let's 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 get into this. Yeah, we, shall I put it up? So I have this here from the week. Yeah, We've got take it, a look yeah. at this story. Did you get it. Yeah. Ukrainian journalist confronts Boris Johnson. NATO is afraid of World War Three, but it has already started. This was a a Ukrainian journalist, yep. Daria Kaleniuk, who had fled Ukraine and was calling on the UK to enforce a no-fly zone. As soon as you announce a no-fly zone, you're declaring war. Yeah. You are literally right, declaring why? war. Why? Why though? Because you because shoot down a plane. Figure plane. Oh, you shoot down war. Russian jets. Yes. Yeah? But it's, it's a declaration of war because you are saying to the other yep. country, we are going to shoot you. It's a figurative declaration no, of war. We've got to get away from re- misusing the word literal. Well, only Congress can declare war literally. No, 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 no. no. That's, that's Legally. You're talking about legal. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Talking I'm, literal. About, I'm talking about literal. literal. I, I'm talking about a literal declaration of war, not a legal one. Well, unless you don't enforce the no-fly zone. If you're enforcing a no-fly zone, you have to shoot Russian, Russian jets down in Ukrainian airspace. The minute you do that, it's an act of war. Well, so that, It's that's, an act of war. But look, look, to put it this way, it would be like me saying, Seamus, if you take one step, you know, in that direction, I'm going to, you know, well, hit you or push you yeah. or something. I have declared my intent to attack him. That's that's yeah. that's, that's not legal. Yeah, and you right. You a declaration also, of war is a specific thing. No, 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 no. You put Ian, yourself in a situation I mean, where you in the United States, in the United States, there's certain statute, statutes about declaration of war, completely irrelevant to the actual to actual war. You come, people come out here and they talk about war crimes and all of this stuff, and I'm like, these are like rules put in place by European councils and conventions to be like, dare I say, we shouldn't use this kind of weapon. Okay, that would be a crime. You want to talk about real war? Declaring war. Is me saying I am going to shoot you if you do this? No, that we did that in Vietnam. It wasn't war, though. It wasn't an official war. It was Tell just a military the action. There. I will. There was conflict and combat, but it wasn't it was technically. War. I'm going to say it one more time because I don't want to get into I mean, a semantic I, I, argument. You guys, look yeah. it up. I'm not lying about no, this. I, stuff. I, I no, I hear you saying no, no, about, about the legal definition. definition. You don't understand. You're talking about an American legal precedent. Yeah. I'm not. I'm talking about literal reality. That if you are a country of any type, regardless of your laws, and you say, I intend to shoot you out of the sky, you have declared war against I them. I think war is a specific term that's that's used in times of, like, specific types of conflict. Like, combat, destruction, and conflict doesn't have to be a war. But can you see what he's saying? That if, if you shot Russian jets down, for example, and then Russia shot your, your jets down in response, and then you started nuking each other, even if Congress didn't declare war, you're in... I was going to swear. Yeah. <laughs> you're Hell, in war. On Earth, you're in war, yeah. right? You're in if war. you're doing well, that, even if Congress the soldiers would call it that, and they'd say war is and that's his point. Ian, but the, it's, it's the your, legality it's, is Congress but, is the only people that are supposed but, to be able but, to declare but, war. But then, right Ian, now. then it's, it's an illegal United, war. But it's no, still no, war. no. Stop. We're not talking about the United States. The U.S. has nothing to do with this. Stop thinking about the U.S. If the if the U.K. says to Russia, "We intend to shoot you out of the sky," they have declared war against them. I don't know about any legal parliamentary yeah, statutes. I don't know about other countries. It's irrelevant. If I am, if, if my neighbor is next to me and I tell him, if you put a drone in the sky, you know, I'll uh, throw a water balloon at it. I have declared my intent to take action against him should he do something I don't like. Now, that's what the, I, I'm going to say journalists advisedly. This lady, uh, Daria Kulinek, that you've referenced up there, she called on Boris Johnson when he was in Poland, the UK prime minister, to declare a no-fly zone over Ukraine, which would mean we would declare to Russia, we're going to shoot you down if you fly over Ukraine, right? Which is an act of war. Now, right. it turns out that this person who called themselves a journalist who stood up in this press conference is actually a member of the World Economic Forum. This is their profile on the WEF website. Um, if you look up their name and WEF, you can see it on your screen there. There they are. And Amazing. actually, the bio does not state journalist. 
It doesn't state journalists. It states Daria is co-founder and executive director of the Anti-Corruption Action Center, a powerful national organization that has shaped Ukraine's anti-corruption legislation and efforts. By the way, anti-corruption became an agenda because, of course, the Biden-affiliated, Biden-aligned mm-hmm. uh, uh, America-friendly yeah. regime there was accused of corruption. So they set up an anti-corruption unit to investigate themselves. This was it. Now, this person's called themselves a journalist and stood up. Activist calling for Boris Johnson to enforce a no-fly zone uh, over uh, over Ukraine. To declare war. Declare, declaration of war. It's very interesting to me that they are a member of the uh, World Economic Forum. Yeah, I, I, I uh, have strong opinions on Ukraine and what Joe Biden did. And, uh, and Hunter. And Hunter. Um, and it's all part of the, it's all one big happy family tree, son, as they all uh, collude to engage in a tree zone. But uh, uh, hmm. charity call. Yeah, the World Economic Forum has plainly uh, stated that they want they don't think uh, nationalist governments are capable of governing the world in its current form, but we need some sort of hybrid corporate governance. With And I think that they're trying to get countries to blow themselves up so that they can show that, oh, yeah, you do need our help to come in and save the day. Build back better. Yeah, mm. give, you got to destroy yep. before you can build back. That's the point. So right. who is What's this? What's a great reset? You have to destroy yep. everything first. You have to reset it and then build back better. So... I wonder why certain voices in the media, and you see them openly encouraging war with Russia, and I wonder, what do, you, what do you want to build back from the ashes of this war once you've had your way? And that's why it becomes so important to make sure they don't get their way. There's a great meme. Are you familiar with the political compass? No. So uh, the political compass is you've got the authoritarian on top, the libertarian on the bottom. Oh, yeah. The, yeah. Up. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I am familiar. So you yeah. have the authoritarian left, you yeah. know, communist. I thought you were talking about band or something. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> you have the authoritarian right, you yeah. know, fascists, traditionalists. Uh, the meme shows it's the Wojak meme. You know, it's the bit paint, paintbrush kind of guy with the squiggly face and like the evil eyes. And each quadrant is looking towards the center. The far, the far left libertarian, the far right libertarian, the far left authoritarian and far right authoritarian are all looking down at the story of World War Three, saying, I can't wait for the world to collapse so I can rebuild this world in my image. Yeah, they look, all believe and, it. And, and, and look, there's a problem here, which is that some way or the other, whether it's by uh, enforcing a no fly zone in um, in Ukraine or it's by directly arming and funding Nazis. I worry about the stability of Europe. So I'm going to pull something up for you. Um, I wonder if Lydia, you can, you can look this up. Well, let me, let me, what's the, so there's a New York Times article. Let me just find the headline for you so you yeah. can search for it. Give me a second. And uh, what, while I'm looking for it, what, what it's basically, uh, what it's talking about is that because of this as of battalion that has now been raised in Ukraine, um, already we know that internationally. So I've done a lot of work in counter radicalization and counter extremism. Um, before being a broadcaster, I founded all, an organization called Quilliam, which was a, a counter-extremism right. organization seeking to help understand during the global war on terror how to navigate our way through that from a Muslim background, especially because, of course, uh, Muslims were central to that debate. So I come at this from that uh, from that angle uh, when, it, when I look at radicalization, understanding how radicalization can work. So if you've got a if you've got an armed Nazi battalion that gains victory in Ukraine, what that does to radicalization is incredibly dangerous. And there's a New York Times article uh, that actually uh, addresses the fact that people now neo-Nazis have been traveling from around the world, flocking to the Azov battalion to join them. Now, once you have co- that, so, so think um, think ISIS and Al Qaeda and how global jihadism, uh, if you had a battlefield, how foreign fighters would go, they'd fight with that jihadist group and then they'd 
Hey, you got it. I didn't it even have to find it for you. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty good at Google, I suppose. Uh, Far right yeah. militias in Europe plan to confront Russian forces. A research group says. Right, so they're flocking to join Azov. Right now, now the problem here is, what does that do for radicalization? If you end up traveling across Europe to join the Azov battalion, you gain combat experience fighting the Russians, and then you go back to your country of mm. origin. Oh boy! Right, you're now the equivalent <laughs> of the jihadi foreign right? fighter. Now, we know what effect that had with global jihadism. Those that fought in Afghanistan against the Soviet Union when the Soviets occupied Afghanistan, Al-Qaeda emerged from there. Global jihadism spread from that combat experience in Afghanistan. 9-11 happened and the rest is history. This is the powder keg we've currently got. Mm. What happens, though, in Europe in particular, is very interesting. Combine this New York Times article with the fact that the video, in fact, you could probably still pull up the video of the um, official Ukrainian National Guard posting that video uh, of the Azov Battalion guy dipping bullets in pig's lard. And the reason why that's important... Pig's lard. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, pig's pig's lard, right? Pig fat. So I'm going to, if you can't find it, because it's on Twitter, you may not be able to find it, but I'll find it as well. And then just at least what we can do is, because the audio, he actually uses the word in their language, he uses the word Muslims. Why that's relevant is combine these two pieces and use together. You've got the potential for foreign fighter radicalization, this time with Nazism as opposed to jihadism, on European soil. But Europe's never had more Muslim citizens in history than it currently has. Mm. Think France, for example, 10% Muslim. Also, Europe has a radicalization problem on the Muslim side. Now, going going back to the Great Reset and the destruction of the world order and build back better, this is the perfect way to encourage civil war in Europe. With these battle-hardened Nazi fighters going back to their countries of origin, you've got jihadis there already. Keep in mind, the Chechens, who are in Ukraine at the behest of Putin, is who the Azov Battalion was talking about when they said they were going to dip their bullets in pig's lard to shoot Chechen Muslims. Now, the problem here you got is, so they've gone to fight Muslims in, Chechen Muslims in Ukraine. They come back to their countries of origin and they find Islamist Muslims in their own countries of origin. What I worry about is this leading to reciprocal radicalization in European countries and that civil conflict emerging in continental Europe. One of the most uh, uh, valuable things to any great reset is a civil war. Yeah, Mm. exactly, right? And and it's incredibly worrying because we've already had a genocide in Europe, in Bosnia, with Muslims, and you end up with with this situation. and, And, you know, we've been funding these. We've been funding this Nazi battalion. What was the Bosnian genocide? It was a it was a genocide against Bosnian Muslims. When? During the Bosnia War. Nineteen like nineties, early nineties. And how many people died? So in Srebrenica in the Srebrenica massacre you had I think it was six thousand Bosnian Muslim men and boys. Jeez, in one day? In a mass grave, in, in one attack. Wow. Yeah. In one attack. And this was just the Bosnian government or was there okay. This is the Serb Serbian, Croatian, Bosnian so the the the, the former sort of so there was an interesting the olympics were also had held there just before this happened the olympics always get involved in these sorts of things remember hitler had the olympic yeah. games as well the Jesse Owens. it's crazy but yeah it and this is in living memory by the way right so this is when so when i was 15 and 14 this genocide was happening and it radicalized an entire generation of european muslims Oh, well, this is when I remember I was 12 and I remember Clinton, the Bosnian war is all about Serbia, Bosnia. Yep. And yeah, so yeah. he sent troops in to stop the genocide. Was that the intent? That's so Kosovo came immediately after that. And so he sent troops in. The, the ostensible declared intent, intent was to stop it happening again in Kosovo, where Albanian Muslims were just after the Bosnia genocide. But the Dayton Accords is what 
emerged from that. Yeah, is Clinton's Dayton Accords. And they were, did that turn them into NATO or something? The Dayton Accords? I don't know about this. The, so, so the Dayton Accords was a deal that he struck um, with the Serbs involving the Kosovans to stop the war uh, expanding into Kosovo, but the genocide had already happened by then. I want to talk about uh, manipulation and propaganda, yeah. if we can. So I have this uh, this tweet from me. Oh. You are oh, yeah. being played. They are manipulating your emotions to yep. get you to support war. Mm. In the first clip, you can see emotional moment. German interpreter cries during Zelensky's speech. Yeah. Then you have this tweet. CNN interpreter cries as he translates Zelensky's speech that mentioned children killed by Russian strikes. And then you have another story. Translator breaks down during Volodymyr Zelensky's speech to European Parliament. I, I do believe it's not, uh, I believe it's two interpreters, but I posted these three stories because they're the ones I just happen to have. Um, my, my, my intent to, it, what to explain here is not so much that there are, uh, there are two different circumstances I found where translators began crying. Mm. That is wholly inappropriate in my opinion. Mm. And I believe it's propaganda and manipulation, not necessarily intentional or, or whatever, but I think they allow these things to happen. They, 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 they know these things are going to happen because what they want is, when the president of Ukraine is giving a speech talking about the devastation and uh, uh, speaking literally about what's happening, children are dying. We need to push back on this to drive the point home in terms of manipulating emotions. You have someone cry while saying it, which the president of Ukraine certainly was not doing. This is a manipulation of your emotions to hear someone is killing children. And so you go, oh, no, they're crying. They want you to support ground war in Ukraine. And why? Yeah. Why? I mean, well, this comes back to what right? I'm saying, right? Well, why would you want to do that? Military industrial complex, profits. No, but you know it's going to spark. I guess who's the they in a this major world equation? War. There's there. I, I think for me, it's always a simple solution of who benefits. And it's yeah. um, weapons manufacturers uh, stock skyrocketed the moment war was declared. And what? you know it. And they, they actually did that article 10. It was like digital security firms like Palantir oh, and nine other we, ones. We, uh, we, we, there's an article that said... Um, what was it? Uh, uh, cutting Russia off from the SWIFT payment system could result in major cyber attacks. <laughs> yeah. Here are some stocks that will greatly improve or, okay. you know, will go up in value. And it's like basically saying invest in these companies. So, Lydia, what I've just done is I've just emailed you the um, the video that I'm talking of, of the Azov fighters doing that. Sure. Uh, sure. And I couldn't send you the tweet because Twitter has decided that this tweet very dangerous. Well, well, is, it, is it on your Twitter? No, it's still on Twitter, but you can't tweet it. Out, you can't retweet it or send oh, it to somebody. Yeah, uh, but because I quote, well, who, because who, I who, quote tweeted it, I've sent you my quote to it. Okay. Well, who who posted it? The the oh, national. You, you, you quote tweeted it. So the National uh, Guard of Ukraine posted the video. Oh, this is the pig's blood wow. one. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, and so I, because I quote tweeted, I can send you my quote tweet, which yeah. allows you. But I couldn't send the actual tweet. When did you post it? Uh, on the. Um, 27th of Feb. Then maybe you can help because I, I'm did not you, Muslim. Let me, let, me, let me do this. What did you say in the quote tweet? Do you want me to email it to you? No, no. Just tell me what it was so I can pull it up. I, uh, I've said, why does the National Guard of Ukraine think it acceptable to glorify the Nazi Azov Brigade while they grease bullets with lard mm. to target Kadyrov's Chechen forces? Got it. Here we are. Yeah. Easiest way to pull it up. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry your country was attacked, me, but armed Nazi units are not an answer, especially when pulling off this... I, I, I got to say, I don't know if YouTube would uh, consider it a violation of the rules if we show that video. But Twitter did. But the, see, the, the, see. Yeah, Twitter considers a violation of the rules. But you, if you clicked view, you can see. If you hit view, the video will come up because well, it's not been banned. 
my, my concern is that YouTube yeah. will delete the live stream. We should definitely yeah. show yeah. this on the after show, regardless. Yeah, yeah. We'll show it on the. In fact, we'll we'll have a conversation about religion and the implications. Yeah. But uh, this is one of the problems of propaganda manipulation and censorship, and it's mm-hmm. why they need censorship. I'm I, I I actually believe if we were to show that video, YouTube would probably just take the stream down, yeah. give us a strike, block us from streaming, yeah. because it's bad for the establishment narrative. And yet, and yet, it's newsworthy to know that that's what the formal Ukrainian army has tweeted out with Hunter, our funding and backing. Hunter Biden's laptop was particularly <laughs> newsworthy and they <laughs> shut that down. This is the really first moment that. I've seen him turn into a religious war of any type. Yeah. Like they're going after their faith. Right. And then why am I raising, that's the point. Why I'm raising this is because those, that New York Times article you pulled up, Tim, right? So those fighters, now let's call them foreign fighters, a bit like we called foreign jihadi fighters, foreign fighters, right? They go to join that battalion. They've gone and they know they're targeting Chechen Muslims. They get radicalized. They're Nazis. They go back to France. 10% of France is Muslim. Yeah. And France has its own Muslim radicalization problem. And France, as we know, and if you read any of Welbeck, for example, his book Submission, we know what could potentially happen with that tension. And I worry that you end up with this perfect storm and you end up with a civil conflict in Europe. And of course, if you need to build back better, you need your great reset. You can't build back unless there's unless there's a great reset. Yeah. Both of those phrases right. happen to come from somewhere. Yeah. In the United States, there's a, a escalating concern of a civil conflict here as well. Yeah, and I I, I certainly feel like it's um like it's it's coming. I it's saw happening. a story of Google Pay and Apple Pay uh, banned Russia. They don't you can't use it in Russia to get on the subway anymore. So the lines are really long. So I was thinking the cost the cost is not only fiscal but it's time. If you can't get to where you're going in time, then you can't get it done in time, which means it doesn't get done right, which is another kind of cost that you got to. That's right. But let's push this a bit, right? So um, who, why would you have a policy of divide and conquer in this way? Yeah? Why do you want me hating you guys, right? Muslim hating non-Muslims. If your, if your system is under threat, as we know from the British Empire, the best way to make sure that all of us are not looking up is to make sure we're looking left and right. Mm-hmm. That's critical race theory. Correct. That, and that's what I believe. If you look at the situation with the money supply, if you look at like w- what's going on with um, this desire to, to have this great reset, the only thing that makes sense is to encourage everybody to turn on each other. And we witness that happening. We witness that happening in our media narratives. You know, there's a reason why the word racism is now being thrown around everywhere by, not by you or me, but by big corporations who, you know, you think about it, what, why have they suddenly become so interested in stoking these racial fires? What's going on? And these are some of the biggest profit-making corporations on the planet. Why, why is it the people who were uh, supporting the riots over Black Lives Matter, who then became the vaccine mandate supporters, are now the flag? They keep changing the emojis in their Twitter accounts. And if you it's follow... It's like they're not, they're, they're, they're not uh, um, independently thinking individuals. Prioritizing profit over all else, maybe? But know. if you follow the causes they've supported, one thing you can see from those causes is they all do end up dividing everybody from each other to a point where people are fighting each other. Yeah. Rage bait. Why? Hate clicks. Uh, emotions put better. people in a vulnerable place, and then you can get them to do what you want them to do, and they're emotionally erratic. A little easier. Push this button now. You better. And you know, like, I, I wonder if um, some people are just not able to be independent thinkers. That, that's what I should say. Is some people are leaders. Some people are followers. There's nothing wrong with being a follower. Some people just want to you know, get by and live an honest life and have someone else be more dedicated to the, the hard decisions. I, I can understand that. But if that's the case, that means there are a lot of people who are going to say something as absurd as, you know, you, you, you don't even got to do anything. You just look it up on the CDC's website. And just do whatever they tell you. 
mm. which in my opinion is an absurd statement. I mean, you have to take some responsibility for your own life. Is when mm. you get a follower in a leadership position, like when someone says that dumb follower mind, but they have a hundred thousand people listening to them, like they're leading follower leads the followers. Then you get that's just, a good, it's a good example of, of, you know, like these, uh, these podcasters mm. who have said, you don't even got to think about it. Just do what the government tells you or who have, um, th- their followers who have been put in, you know, high up positions where all they're doing is telling their followers to follow other people, to do as they're told, basically, because they themselves are followers. I think, I think there's a, the, 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 the average person who's working nine to five, who's struggling Monday to Friday to put bread on the table for them and their family, I can excuse them, right? They don't have the time, luxury, or privilege to think through some of these topics. What I am particularly animated about is those people that do have the time, luxury, and privilege to think through this stuff and still choose to do uh, still choose a course of action that harms people severely because they want to make money and profit. I know. Or, well, I, I would say there's also something else on top of that. I, I agree with you. But I would argue that in most situations, it's just the fact that they don't want to think too hard about things because then they face social ostracism. So if you're an academic and you're out of line with the other academics and question their orthodoxy, all of a sudden, you're less likely to get a promotion. You're not getting invited out. And you're just not liked by your friends, which is really painful for us as human beings. So I think oftentimes it isn't necessarily just a profit motive. It's about social status. Yeah, yeah. True. Yeah. It's funny that... um the people who throw on the word grifter tend to be the grifters. Mm-hmm. It's projection, isn't it? Because the yeah. thief thinks everyone steals. You, know? you get to companies exactly. like well, Nike. Well, well, yeah. well so let, me, let me elaborate on this. People base the people think everyone uh, else thinks and behaves the way they do. Mm-hmm. So what's interesting is, you know, I, I don't see you accusing left-wing personalities of being grifters. Um, I uh, maybe uh, periodically might say I believe someone's disingenuous or grifting. But uh, for the most part, the uh, politically homeless, the post-liberal, uh, the freedom faction, whatever you want to call it, aren't going around saying this leftist personality is a grifter for money. But the leftist personalities say it all day, every day. They make shows and segments just targeting people on the opposite side of the political spectrum and say they're well, grifting for yeah, money. I also – I think it's a genuine failure to understand human motivation in most cases. I think if somebody believes something that – they haven't really looked deeply enough into to have a fast ba- fact-based opinion on. It's not so much because they're trying to cynically exploit people for gain that can happen, but I really think oftentimes it's because they settled on a particular perspective. They're afraid of looking into it more deeply. They do believe that they're right and that they're telling the truth, but they're not responsible in their pursuit of it. And so they end up promoting things they shouldn't be promoting and saying things that aren't true, and they do end up making money off of that, but it's not as if they're twirling their mustache going, I'm actually actually a right winger and I'm making money as a left wing pundit or vice versa. I, I've said something, uh, sim, uh, something uh, and we saw um, who was it who said this? Uh, I can't remember the, the, the gentleman's name. I'm forgetting. Clifton Duncan. Sorry. Sorry. Oh, that guy. What's up? Uh, I think it was Clifton. I could be wrong. Um, but I said something to the effect of, you know, the, the people who know what's going on, they but they're but they're unwilling to stand up and take responsibility and do anything about it are part of the problem. Mm -hmm. But I believe it was Clifton. I could be wrong if it wasn't, forgive me, who said that um, he's starting to have more contempt for those people. that was Clifton. It was Clifton, yeah. Than which people? Than the people who are just like mindless drones is a part of the woke. So the more contempt is for the ones who know. The ones who know but won't do anything about it. Yeah, well, that's that's my point. You can't, look, look, you know, people living on minimum wage, people that are from, say, for example, migrant communities whose first language is in English, 
who are petrified that they're going to get kicked out of the country if they step foot in the wrong direction. There are excuses and understandable reasons for why people may not be engaged with controversial political conversation. But there are people that have the luxury and the privilege to engage in that and either don't say the right thing or are actively saying and doing the wrong thing. And that's where I think the focus needs to be. Go back to that example and you've got governments and by definition that means people in power funding armed Nazi brigades now. What that does immediately is undo the entire last 12 years. We put our, we, when I say we now, I'm talking about Muslims have put their neck on the line to go and challenge a lot of the extremism and terrorism that was coming from our communities, right? We put our neck on the line. Me and the networks that I work with, um, that one of them was meant to come here with me today, but paperwork and whatever, uh, Usman, my brother Usman Raja, we, we do a lot of, um, for example, intervention work in prisons with Muslims who are convicted of high-level terrorism through mentoring, through martial arts to attempt to uh, rehabilitate them. Now, you put your neck on the line for that kind of work and you say to these people that there is never an excuse, for example, to leave your uh, democratic, rights-based, civil law-based country to go and join, for example, a jihadi brigade in ISIS yep. because you're upset with Assad, that dictator. Right now... They're witnessing videos put out by British media encouraging British citizens to go to Ukraine and join that that we, we just I, pulled up, right? It's undone all of the last 10 to 12 years. And the last point I'll make on, on this is that uh, back to that Oceana discussion, like we are so unaware of how that's perceived outside of our media matrix. Th the work that's been undone is to the point now where you're going to have a 16-year-old Muslim based in France who's going to see those Nazis go and fight with other Nazis yep. and say, you know what, why am I... I'm going to go and join the Chechens and fight these guys because they're dipping bullets in pig's lard. We've gone back to square one. I was invited by YouTube to an anti-extremism event. The concern was that um, jihadi groups were using YouTube to recruit. They were showing videos. They were claiming it was injustice. Yeah. You had to fight for justice. And they were talking about strategies to stop this. And it was particularly, particularly in the UK. Yeah. They said that these groups were targeting kids in the UK to convince them to go fight in these wars. I find it fascinating to bring up now that it's uh, effectively, uh, essentially okay when well, it comes to Ukraine. Well, well, what you've just said there, right? So I'm going to pull uh, something else up if my if the Wi-Fi works. Yeah, so if you, if you can pull that um, tweet back up of mine and go down, it's a thread. So yeah, scroll down, and uh, there will be a. Um... Uh oh, oh, you have to log oh, in. No. Okay, I'll, yeah. So we'll, so we'll we'll we'll, we'll go. So there's the an intercept article. I can talk you through it. There's an intercept article. Basically, Facebook on that point, yeah, on radicalization. Facebook has decided that it's prohibited to promote the Azov Brigade because they're neo Nazis. Unless you're promoting them to fight That's Russia right. in Ukraine. I saw that. That's amazing, isn't now, it? Now, this is the, what I'm saying about the, uh, again, I'm trying not Evil. to swear, right? I'm doing the work we've just done for 12 years on the Muslim right. side. Imagine you're a young, you know, 16 year old French Muslim, right? And you see that. Imagine you're Antifa. You were yeah. there, man. And I mean, you're, and you're screaming yeah. Nazi for five yeah. years. Yeah. And then you're like, finally, we're getting these people banned from Facebook. Yeah. And Facebook goes, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. We're letting these guys back on. I don't know if people here, even know your history. Here it is. Uh, you see that? Facebook allows praise of neo-Nazi Ukrainian battalion if it fights Russian invasion. Wow. I, I, I mean, I can me. send it to you, Lydia, if you want to put it up. But, that's you know, amazing. Was that on Twitter? That's on Intercept. Oh, the Intercept. If you look, yeah. if you look oh. up the Intercept, Facebook allows praise of neo-Nazi Ukrainian. You'll get it on your screen. I just want people to see this, Tim. Forgive me. It's important because it's the hypocrisy. It it's 
stinks. Look at that. That's incredible. And the problem is whether you're Antifa or a young Islamist, right? The problem now is how are you going to react to that? Yeah. Let's, let's, let's talk about, we're going to do a, it's not a complete hard segue. Yeah. This has a lot to do with the Great Reset, but it's very strange. This is a story from TimCast.com. Chile passes employment law prohibiting discrimination against mutations and alterations of genetic material. Mm. Have you heard this? So employers can only ask workers to undergo genetic testing if it's necessary for their safety. They say (laughs) the National Congress of Chile passed the policy on February 16th with 114 votes and no abstentions. No employer may condition the hiring of workers, their permanence or their renewal of their contract or the promotion or mobility in their employment to the absence of mutations or alterations in their genome that can cause a predisposition or a high risk of pathology that may manifest itself during the course of the employment relationship. Now, are they saying, is this, let's just, let's just be calm for a second. What is this? Are they basically (laughs) saying if you have like Down syndrome or a genetic Mm -hmm. disorder, the question is, alterations you know, to the like, genome. Like no, but, but what I find interesting is is this specific line here, a predisposition or high risk of a pathology. So that's almost implying that an alteration to your gene or to your genome could end up with you gaining this pathology you would not have otherwise have had. Yeah. What pathology is that that they're saying that you could gain? This is a very, very tree. strange right. story. What do we have right now that is in any way altering people's genomes? Yeah, precisely. Wi-Fi. No, I'm just kidding. Right? I don't know. If 5G towers. Yeah. Uh, well, no, no, but, but uh, and then, I don't and know. Then, everything. But, 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 but how does it, even that, right, even the vaccines, right, which is what you're alluding to, how does that lead, <laughs> 5G <laughs> towers, how does that lead to a pathology? Like, this is what I think, what, what, like, unless they're saying that there is a connection between the, the, whatever gene therapy was in those vaccines to having developed a pathology. So is that an admission? I don't. That pathology I don't, is one of the side effects. I don't know. Um, look, look, nothing about this has anything to do with the vaccine. I think that you know, what so, it means so, is, that, if that, in that, case right. it leads to a pathology and it was genetic, they can't say you can't work here because you're going to fall down a lot because you have this gene or but something. No, but it says it says it says specifically, right? Sorry to push this, guys. Yeah, no, I want right? this to the absence of mutations or alterations in their genome that cause a predisposition or a high risk of a pathology. Now, there's only that. First of all, you're not going to talk about alterations to the gene in a vacuum or a void. What is it that we've taken recently that causes an alteration? Yeah, you've got to look up horizontal gene transfer. The environment. No, no, no. I don't, I, I think, I think we're more looking at transhumanism in general. Oh yeah, CRISPR. They're yeah, going in there but, and altering genetics on babies. But they're not doing that in Chile. Chile is actually one of the most co-opted countries on earth right now. I, did, I spent a couple months down there, six yeah. months, and I was learning like it's the highest, it's one of the uh, most copper rich countries in the world. So it's like military industrial complex imagine, just owns imagine. it now. China, Diet Coke is yeah, in there yeah, making people yeah, obese. Yeah. China absolutely China is doing tons China did it, but Chile's of, not. But what if you're, yeah. what if you're uh, one of these Chinese super, uh, ubermensch and you, and you go and do work? No, China's doing tons of That's exploration right, what, and development. Why and randomly in Chile? What? Yeah. Chile is a big business place right now. I don't know if a lot of Imagine, people realize. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I, I don't think the country of origin matters so yeah. much as we know China's been, uh, it's been reported by numerous outlets, been working on Ubermensch, yep. super, supermen, super yep, soldiers. Yep, yep, yep. And this seems like, I got to be honest, it says alteration to the genome. It sounds like they're preparing. Because once you do that, you're born with the alteration, right? Forever. Well, there's this thing Tim called. Tim says some reporting of the bill's passage noted that Chile has been celebrated for a high vaccination right. rate. But, but again, yeah. we don't know. Whenever it comes to that stuff, just talk to a doctor. We're not, I, I, I think, 
I don't, I don't want to be too myopic or, right. or you know, what, what I it's see It's just weird. Here, it's weird, though. You've got to admit. Well, the whole, it's well absolutely. Yeah. That's what I want to talk I about. I just want to yeah. know why now. Because I am not inclined to believe it is because of the vaccination, but I'm very curious. It's a very strange place, and it is a strange time. So I'm wondering, is it WES I, stuff? What's I think it's on? transhumanists, great reset oriented yeah. kind of stuff. So, uh, so I'll, why Chile? Be, because, well, I mean, Ian can give you an example. As he said, it's, it's a corrupt country, but who cares if it's Chile? It doesn't matter if it's Chile. It's what matters is there is a country doing it, and there are countries like China that do this kind of genetic modification and alteration. And Chile is like right on and, the coast, right up for China to just land on. And it, But regardless, if any company is doing work in this country and they've passed this law, certainly something has occurred in this country yep. – to trigger the requirement yeah. of this law. So my question is, who? Well, we know China's doing it. I want to get to the bottom of this. What are they doing? The one up. thing we know is the super soldier stuff. Yeah. But does this mean that in Chile, genetically engineered or modified or altered humans are employed at companies? Maybe. I mean, you wouldn't have that introduced if there wasn't that consideration. Something right? had to have happened well, so or they're preparing for something. What's yeah, interesting know, is what the difference between change to your genetic code and change to your genome Mm. I don't know. Right? Did you so, ask if there is, or are you saying? No, there's an interesting difference, right? So the change to the genome, I believe, is permanent in your lineage forever. Because oh, what, right, right, yeah, right. Whereas a change to your genetic code in you... It's just you. It's just you. That's interesting because... A change to your genome means your lineage forever has that altered There's genome. lateral gene transfer, which yeah. is your lineage, and then yeah. there's horizontal gene yeah. transfer, which is your environment changing your genetics. What if? What? This yeah. is this is it's where uh, Alex Jones's <laughs> animal hybrid... You know, Ooh, animal human hybrids. I'm kidding, by well, the no, way. No, no, don't even joke. No, they they <laughs> patented <laughs> life, dude. They, I remember a Supreme Court thing in like 2011 where they finally decided you can patent life. What yeah, if, Monsanto, right? What if we've just gotten oh, no. so progressive that we're trying to protect the rights of groups that don't even exist yet? And Excellent. now every single country is going to try to out-progressive the last country by being like, yeah, well, this group that doesn't even exist yet will be protected. Well, our AI did nothing do. wrong. You yeah. can't discriminate against giant balloon gaseous orbs from outer space. <laughs> yeah. No, it has Get some ready. grounding in reality. Yes, yeah. it must. Right. Yeah. yeah. You don't I, just I, introduce that law. Mm-hmm. I hear you. It's well, weird. It is very fishy. Have the right According to, the- to the World Health Organization, what does it say? The South American nation has a, has had over 3 million cases of COVID. COVID-19. See, see they're linking it to, to COVID, man. Well, this is TimCast.com. And so is I'm wondering, which is a very biased source, my shit. I don't, I don't well, trust TimCast.com. You're linking it. I need a second opinion. I will absolutely criticize my own website. Yeah. <laughs> who wrote that? Let's yeah, do yeah. that together. Wait, who uh, wrote it? Uh, it's Hannah Claire Brimelow. Hannah Claire. Yeah. Hannah Claire is actually really, really good. She's great. She's but great. I, but I, I do think we, we, we have issues where, um, I, I personally would be very careful about directly adding a framing device such yeah. as, Hey, look at all the COVID cases in this country. Yeah. I don't see that as relevant to the passage of this law. I, I mean, you speak to the, whoever the, I mean, I don't know the lady. But why yep. would they have put that in there? That's maybe a conversation you need to have. Absolutely. Oh, we, we do have these conversations yeah. rather. Yeah, right. yeah this is one that I just don't, I'm not comfortable talking about on YouTube due to terms and conditions. But, you know, when you're working with genetic yeah. uh, materials, then what were you going to say, Magic? No, it's just that it says, it says um, similar in Switzerland and Austria, similar laws protecting the genetic characteristics of workers had already been passed in Switzerland and Austria. Huh. But, is, but again, this, the question here is... Um, are they referring to someone who might have Down syndrome? Right. Mm-hmm. Like you can't discriminate against someone with Down syndrome. It sounds like they are. No, but then, but, but then you just say you don't discriminate against people that have disabilities. 
Why would you need because to introduce... It's such a I weird thing. Whoa, 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 whoa. No, 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 this is simple. Yeah. Too, if yeah. you're just talking yeah. disabilities. Yeah. Because, be a very weird because thing to do. in a progressive world, you can't call Down syndrome, Down syndrome a disability. But I think it's calling a it a mutation sounds way worse. It's what, yeah. You're well, saying like I, you guys are mutants. Yeah. And, but, and then in particular, you specify genome. But the bill specifically says alterations, which is intentional yeah. after, yeah. after birth. Right. Yeah. Changes. Yeah. But also, it indicates alterations, like, I guess it was the way she wrote it, that alterations that aren't bad. Like, if you scroll up to the top again, where it says the word alterations, wherever that was. See, I, I don't, I don't, I, I'm not a fan of this article. Could just be the way it was yeah. written. Cause I, I, I don't think it's relevant, but it's, to, to, to include context, because what if I wrote the article and I put, in China, they've been, you know, CRISPR. working with, you know. Is that the bill? This, uh, it, it appears to be. It kind of, it seems to indicate that if they're genetic superhumans, you also can't discriminate against them. We'd need to read the bill. Well, superhumans don't have to worry about discrimination, all right? So we think. Yeah. Well, let me tell you something. They they will overcome the issues. Oh, you're right. The more you do for them, the more they'll hate you. They live live among us, right? They live among us. We are superheroes. (laughs) God's energy is flowing through us and powering us. It is, it is the future. Let's see. Well, I'm trying to find uh, other sources on this one too. Yeah, is it is it report? Do you know if it's reported anywhere else? I'm sure. It is. Uh, I'd have to I'd have to dig into it. Yeah, I'm really curious about this. I want to. know. But maybe we need a hard fact check on that one. Let's do it, Majid, Are you going to uh, get the uh, yeah. the neural net and go into the metaverse? You know, um, maybe, but I'm not so sure that I want to do it with Meta as mm, a company. Yeah. Mm. You know? I'd like it to be free software so you can watch the algorithm. Yeah, and also I just I just yeah, it's just uh, I'm not too keen on on Facebook's and Meta's recent turn, you know? How yeah, so? no, can you imagine? No, I mean, it's a good point. Look at the way Facebook influences people with their algorithms now and then say, you know what I really want to plug my brain yeah. into? Yeah, yeah, that. Yeah. I trust yeah. those people. Yeah. Z- Zuckerberg was on uh, Lex Friedman's podcast and was like, I'm a so- I am I studied psychology. I'm a psychologist. Oh, so great. he's doing like a psychology <laughs> experiment yeah. right now with well, that. They, it's yeah. technically kind of unethical, you know? Yeah. They got in trouble for doing experiments on people without their knowledge. Multiple times. Like yeah. things, these, they chose to do things that they knew would depress people and it worked. Yeah. I would like to it. extirpate the... Uh, I think that's the way to say that word. Uh, The concept of the metaverse from meta. I don't think they have. They're just a a, a piece of sand in the heap that's going to be the metaverse. Yeah. They'll have their own highway. They still uh, Or version of highway. Well, it's unfortunate they've taken the name meta. I know. It was really gross. Yeah. Yeah. That's almost attempting to kind of like, you know, like we say uh, vacuum when we mean, when we say Hoover when we mean a vacuum. Yeah, or Kleenex when you mean tissue. Xerox. Yeah. So that's what they're trying. That's what they're trying to do. Yeah. You know? Yeah. They're trying to basically monopolize the brand. The brand. I'm not convinced this story is real, to be completely honest. <laughs> it's on your website, man. I know. I know. <laughs> Look how long absolutely. we talked about that. Copywriting in real time. And, and I absolutely have the standards to see it <laughs> yeah. and then That's come good. in and be like, nice something's not right here. here. Yeah. Yeah. Something's not nature. right here. Well, someone should read the bill when they have time. But I don't even know if this is a real if this is a real document. Ooh. So hang on. Your, your website may be publishing fake news. Absolutely. Ooh, good to wow. know. Wow. Yeah. So um, I, I have I have very serious To be fair to the journalists involved without, because we would want to be sensitive to the fact that We've just, you, you just may have outed one of your own people. Right? I have so, a correction to make yeah, too. Yeah. Um, when we were talking about the bill, it said uh, 70% of liberals think we should protect uh, Ukraine's borders. Is more, it's more important than ours. Cassandra was 100% correct. I confused liberal and Democrat. Oh. Among oh. Democrats, oh. it was 57. Yeah. Among liberals, it was 70. And so I got to be very careful about, but I'll, but I'll put it this way. Cause when, 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 when we pull up a story and I'm like, wait a minute, this seems to be off. The numbers seem to be wrong. I got no problem being like, if you, if you work for Timcast.com and I see something and I don't think it's right, I'm, I don't care if you're Timcast.com or otherwise, I'm going to make sure because I, I think the people who read the site have a, a, a an expectation of mm. you know, standards yeah. here. That's why people work for you anyway. Cause they like that. 
Honestly, well, so I'm trying to real time fact check this because I have a, a high degree of trust for the people that, that work for us, but we make mistakes. Yeah. Sure. Well, Sometimes something slips well, through. I'm sure and maybe tomorrow you'll be able to come back on this then. It may yeah. be, it may be yeah. illegitimate. I, the, yeah. the issue is right now in real time. I don't know if I could fact check this other yeah. than the sources that are writing about it are seem, seem desperate to link this to vaccination, which mm. is ridiculous. Mm. Right. And mm. it's kind of annoying. Mm. Yeah, because if there was a bill talking about this, the the immediate assumption is it has to do with it's, it's even even in this document it says physical or mental conditions, you know, uh, on the job or whatever. It sounds like they're talking about genetic diseases. So the headline is misleading, then, if that's the case, right? Possibly but it so, could be your yeah. environment could cause the genetic disease, like burn pits. We were talking about last night. People are coming back with like just traumatic injury and cancers and things well, like that. What he's saying is that the word, use of the word alterations would indicate would seem to suggest a deliberate alteration to the gene, which is not disabilities. Oh, otherwise it would be mm. a mutation. Yeah, uh, and I think yeah, it could be mutation. Or you just use the word disabilities, right? If you were talking, I wonder about if that Down word's syndrome. getting retconned. Is it becoming not PC to say dis- disabled or could, disability? For a while, they were trying to say differently abled. Yeah. That's an older yeah, but you, one. But, but there are PC equivalents one. to what we used to describe as disability, and it's not the PC equivalent isn't gene exactly. Yeah, it's interesting exactly. that they're going at the genes. That yeah. they're focusing on the yeah, genetics yeah, yeah. of it. Yeah. I do think yeah. it has to do with CRISPR. It's been around for twenty years or something. Yeah, but his point is that he may not even think he's saying is it may not even be a real story. I don't believe it. But that's where you need to look into it. But yeah, you know, I feel a bit bad for the for the writer because they're not here to themselves so that's true true. well so uh typically what we do is we always want to have uh, original sources there's no original source including the article which is why i'm immediately saying Mm. the bill could be fake it's it's not up to our standards 100 percent, with no original sourcing there's a translated pdf from from a website Ah. that uh, is questionable at best translated from spanish to english Right. right, so yeah. this is not an original yeah, yeah, yeah. document, it's yeah. not an original source, it's on a website that's questionable. This mm. sounds like a journalism lesson, it's great. Absolute yeah. journalism Love lesson. It. And it's also yeah. a standard lesson, it's a lesson in standards I have. Like, I apologize to Cassandra, because she was like, you said that I got something wrong, you. then Ian <laughs> said we need a fact checker, and I was right, and you were wrong, and I wasn't there, and I'm like, I, I right, love you, Cassandra. Cassandra, yeah, yeah, yeah. you were right. Is that the same... Right. No, 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 no. Oh, it's a different writer. No, okay. no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cassandra Fairbanks. Right. So we're picking on somebody McDonald. else. McDonald. Oh, yes. Cassandra yeah. McDonald. Well, Congratulations, but, but to, to, guys. To be fair, pencil heavy racers. You know, yeah. if, if, uh, if when news outlets uh, publish incorrect things, I just say, correct it. Yeah. And if they're willing to correct it, I say, well, we move on. What are we going to yeah, do yeah, about yeah. it? When they refuse to correct it. Now, that's the issue. Like the New York Times and Project Veritas. Yeah. So yeah. they, they want to smear, they want to lie and cheat and steal and even admit it, but then not correct or it. Or CNN, CNN also, with Rogan. If you get yes. called out for this, all yeah. you have to say is the science changed. That's right. That's, That's right. right. Exactly. The science it. changed. <laughs> these are, these no, are. No, it's uh, even better. You can say, I am the science. That's right. I am the journalist. <laughs> well, I'll just be like, <laughs> I, I am the science. I am the truth. I am the science. No, I am the truth. Yeah, I am yeah, the scientific method. Yeah. You got to write like a speech, like a short paragraph of, I am the science. I am the method. I am the actor and the acted. I looked up radical antonyms because I'm like, how can we how can we be de-radicalized without having to say be counterdependent on the word radical? Mm. Um, I came it came it gave me conservative, traditional, It's interesting you did that because since being um, uh, let's put it pol- politely, since having my show ended, yes, right. Indeed. There's a legal dispute, so I have to put it politely. Since having my show ended on the UK's largest commercial broadcaster. I am starting a new show on Odyssey and it's called Radical because I believe that that word actually when I was young and I used to skateboard Tim you remember this man Radical Rad yeah. Radical yeah. Yes. Rad was a positive right? still is still right. I love that word so yeah. actually all it means is thinking out of the box so Radical with Majid Nawaz will be available on Odyssey in about a month or so cool. I guess Radical's it's neutral it's cyclical though well because Radical was frowned upon 
and then it became a good thing, and now it's frowned upon again. It's just changed. And why, why that. is that? Because why is that? Because they were trying to change the established order at that time. So yeah. being radical was good, and now that their order right. is in place, being radical is bad because it's a threat to what they built. And I kind of feel like you know, like a bit like the N word. If I if it's Muslims who are being labeled with this word radical, mm-hmm. and I have been, interesting. So I kind of feel like I'm going to reclaim that word. I love it. You know, and my autobiography is called Radical as well. So I, I kind of feel like ownership over that word. You could say George Washington was a radical that all the founding fathers are well, I think way radical. A, thinking yeah. out of the box is a good thing. And you know, to be honest, even if you're wrong and you're thinking out of the box, I still respect you more than somebody who's just following the damn crowd. I would argue know? that it, thinking outside the box is neutral. If you do it for evil, it can be very bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, that's a moral judgment on the actual ability to think out of the box. But the prerequisite to being able to change Necessi- anything is it's a necessity, right? Oh, yeah. You've got to see your own to- perspective from the outside. Precisely. You know, precisely. Now, you could you could end up having that ability like any ability and do wrong with it and do bad with it, right? Yeah. So it's like saying oh. have a, you have a high IQ and you can use your high IQ to do evil. Right? So you think allowing yourself to speak radically and witnessing yourself doing it via video, it helps you put a check on yourself to not become too radical? Well, look, everybody evolves, right? So here's the other thing. So I wouldn't be the person I am today. If, as the 16-year-old me, I didn't adopt ideas that I now vehemently disagree with. Right. But that's part of my evolution. And I think everybody, every teenager, Amen. it's a rite of passage, man. You have to have to, you know, every teenager goes through that kind of phase where they rebel against everything. And to an extent where it's harmless, where, I say harmless is a bit, of, where it doesn't do too much damage, we've got to be able to uh, manage that process because what you don't want to do is discourage i mean this is what surely this is what pink floyd's brick in the wall is about right you you know teachers leave those kids i don't need no education right yeah Yeah. you don't want to what you don't want to do is encourage robots so we've got to work out a way where innovative thinking even where it's wrong is accepted by us as a rite of passage for young people to arrive at them you know wherever they end up are you raising kids do you have children i've got yeah i've got a five-year-old and a 21 year old are you homeschooling no. Are you considering no. it at all? Yes, but at the moment, I'm not doing it. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking about doing that, yeah. too. I don't have any kids yet, but that's my plan. Yeah. I, I just don't trust this this robot-forming public school system. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, look, what I don't understand is the same people that listen to, still to this day, would listen to say, we don't need no education. education. And, yet, and yet everything they do is the opposite of the music. I, mean, like, they, I, I went to a liberal arts college and yeah. what they told me yeah, is that racism right. and white supremacy yeah. run amok in this country. And yeah. it's just strange to me. It's like every, it's like all the cultural icons you respect are the, uh, even if, you know, they are the exact opposite of what you're doing and, the, and the, the worst part is when those same voices, now thankfully Pink Floyd isn't one of these examples, but when those same voices themselves flip yeah. and start becoming really oh, weirdly yeah. established. When Neil you know? Young was yeah, exactly. really mad at Rogan. That's what I was referring yeah. to. Was well, this is the thing. I, I don't think it's quite as uh, ironic as we might believe at first glance. They were trying to establish a new social order. That social order is here, and now they're trying to protect it. So, so yesterday's radicals become yeah. today's conservatives. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, yes, I get that point, but Neil Young, I mean, free speech. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, that's, well, yeah, well, and then of course that's the principle out, you're always going to defend. Surely, he right? said, uh, not necessarily. No, if you're, if you're operating within a system, yeah. if you're operating within a system that privileges free speech or believes it's a positive value, and you want to change that system, you're going to use that tool, and then as soon as you yeah. come to power, you're going to say, nope, don't yeah. like that. But you see, that's what that demonstrates to me that he wasn't really committed to free speech. Mm. Or at the very least, because also we want to be charitable to, to some extent and say maybe he was at the time, but he isn't anymore. One changed. thing, whereas Roger hilarious. Waters, Roger, mm. what you find Roger Waters today still very radical, exactly. mm. right? Now yeah. you don't have to agree with him, mm. but he's still very, you know, he's still very kind of anti-establishment, 
trying his best to think out of the box. And I respect that, even though you don't agree, you know, or disagree. You know, I respect it. In my radicalism, sometimes yeah. I found that I sometimes it was better to stay in the box, but I'd still just do the radical thing because I thought it's better to be radical. But it's better to just be right. Well, it's better to fit the, the process, whatever if like, it stands for radicalism yeah. or conservatism. Seek the truth. I like what I really Seek like is Chesterton's gate. And so it's the principle that when you find a gate, you try to figure out why it's there mm. instead of just mindlessly tearing it down. And if it turns out it's there for a bad reason or doesn't make sense, then you tear the gate down. But you don't go about saying, we need to completely destroy the social boundary before you try to understand it, which I think is what a lot of people who are radical attempt to do today and have in the past. Mm. I think it requires a great deal of strength of character to hold on to your anti-establishmentarianism. Whatever, however, yep, whatever, whatever, you know what I'm saying. And most people don't have that. And you'll see that when you look at the way people do things like raise their kids and do their work. And they're looking for the shortcut. They're looking for the e easy way out. And this is because having strong moral character is hard. It's very challenging. And it's something that you must hold yourself accountable with. And it's something that people are afraid to do now, I think. It's just they're just looking for the quick out. I don't know. That's kind of what I came up with. It's like mm. the, the panacea of having enough money and, and the food, and they feel like if they get radical, they're going to lose access to that, the panacea, and then they're going to starve or the kids are going to go hungry. So they're like forced to, inside the box. It's a possible of, that we have it too good and we're afraid to lose it. They think they're forced. Well, too. no. So this is interesting. You were mentioning earlier that there are some people who are really afraid of losing their livelihood and so they don't speak mm -hmm. out on these issues. And sometimes it's understandable because they have a family to feed and yep. the cost would be too high for them. Uh, and then there are other people who aren't speaking out because they're afraid. I would venture to guess, though, and uh, maybe this is a little pessimistic on my part, but I really believe given the state of the people... In America, at the very least, if we were able to completely eliminate the risk of losing your job over your opinions, I think a lot of the same people still would not state them publicly because what they're most afraid of is social ostracism. Mm -hmm. Which leads Man, can lead to cultural ostracism and then political ostracism. No, you, I, you have to cultivate that. You really do. It's very important. And to the people in chat, I did not go to the bathroom. <laughs> they I were can like, confirm. Tim, stop talking. So we went to the bathroom. <laughs> you know, no, yesterday we stuff. did this video thing during the uh, the live stream of the of the Biden's campaign speech where all our videos were on the screen. We should do that when we show stories because it was so fun to watch all our faces at once. We were we like the Brady Bunch. Everybody got to see their favorite character. And they're yeah, like, it's so fun. Yeah. They like, weren't taking this person? They're making faces. Yeah. Yeah, so um, in, the, in the downtime, I was conferring with our editor-in-chief, who uh, agrees that story is probably bunk. Mm, unconfirmed. Uh, the story is unconfirmed. Nah, I'll come out and say it. Sounds bunk. Let's Had typos in it, like someone just plastered it up and it slipped through. Well, I'm still so interested in... Isn't that the, the buck stops with the editor-in-chief, though, there, surely? I'm trying to defend the little journalist here just because I, no, they're no, not no, here to defend no. themselves. We, we, I can only apologize yeah. and everyone else can apologize and say, I'm pretty sure that story is not real. Wow. I'm Normally I'm reading now. all the news every single day, but that one went up right before we're doing the show and I saw it. Oh, and I have faith in our news team. Yeah. While we were reading it, I'm like, wait a minute, something doesn't make sense here. And mm. so I started looking at the sources, which are um, dubious. And then I reached out to the team. Is somebody in trouble right now? Yes. <laughs> but it is oh, what it no. is, man. Oh. You know, look, we try our yeah. best. Pencils have erasers. Sometimes things slip through and, you know, yeah. mistakes happen. But, uh, you know, we try our best. Yeah. We're well, not, we're not perfect. I just looked up, um, Chile genetic engineering laws and one of the links is human, world human cloning policies. <laughs> oh, Rice University. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I suppose a story that significant, if your website's the only one breaking it, that's a bit of a red Yeah, I, and, I saw and, another website yeah. called dailyexpose.uk, but it's dated tomorrow, hmm. the 3rd of March. Is it on the Daily Exposed? Maybe it's from the future. Is it, is the oh, same? the Daily Exposed, is that what it is? Yeah. Is it on, yeah, that, UK, is it on yeah. that website? Yeah. What it is. is. Yeah. yeah. Is that where the source was? One of them. Is that a fake site? No, 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 no. They, they, so they don't tend to publish fake news. I can really? tell you that. Yeah, yeah. But the link yeah. to the so uh, the link oh, to I the vaccines that. is just infuriating to me. Mm. Is that like, what's on the Daily Exp- like the Daily Exposed connects it, the article connect, yeah, to vaccination. To vac- right. And the problem I have with that is I one of the, there's very few things that make me legitimately angry, but mm. one of it is when news sites falsely frame things by connecting them to things that are are. Uh, tangentially well i mean you'd have to have a reason to make that connection for example right a legislator would have had to say this is why we want to make this law because which is not the case yeah and, and so that, the annoying thing as a journalist is, you'd have to have that link you know if we if we published the article at timcast.com and it outright said some people have questioned china's super soldier mm. program in china they're doing this i'd be like why are you including that it has nothing to do with the news yeah, yeah, yeah. so if there's a bill being passed that says we did x and we will now enforce x you're done mm. nothing else it's um that story is actually from the 25th it's the expose there's an accent on the, the last e so it's ex- pronounced expose I, I suppose the issue is there's a uh, uh, no original sourcing in it and that that's yeah. a serious issue with so it may be true my issue is the framing and my issue is if you're going to source a Chilean law, you need the Chilean document from the yeah, Chilean government, for sure. yeah. not some some <clears throat> another website's translation of a PDF that they've not sourced. Mm. So I'm 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 not a fan. But hey, look, I got standards. Mm. Not everybody is me, and I don't write every single story. But I'll absolutely call out. I don't care who it is, and mm. uh, we'll do better. But you know, I, I I my 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 only real issue, like I was saying, with uh, a lot of uh, mainstream news websites. Is not when they get things wrong is when they don't correct them. That's mm-hmm. that's the main issue. Yeah. Issue of correction. So w- the policy we have at TimCast.com is any change has to be dot logged and documented. Yes. So like if we if we if we change a single word for for like even formatting reasons, we'll put a note right Edit, editor's note after we ch- it's been published. Yes. Yeah. Oh, there's actually something called neurorightsfoundation.org slash Chile neurorights in Chile, which uh. The expose references immediately a bill to amend the constitution to protect brain rights or neuro rights. Okay, it's not it's not connected and it doesn't prove anything. But this is very interesting. Chilean neuro rights are on the yeah. the story no, is no not more. complete. There, yeah. So I'm hearing that there may be something here, but we would have to go and actually find the, the original sourcing documents. So for now, we're pulling the article. Cool. Yeah. Neuro rights. Yeah. Real time fact checking from your yeah. website. Neuro rights, dude. Check They're talking ourselves. about metaverse thoughts. Do you own your thoughts? Does someone else own your thoughts? Well, and that's where we end up with, right? Does someone else own yeah. the shape of the neurons of your brain? Can they patent? Yeah. The shape that the neurons make to produce the the memory. Let's go super chats. If you haven't already, (laughs) smash the like button, subscribe to this channel, share with the show with your friends. And if you still have faith in us, go to timcast.com and become a member because uh, I would love to uh, fact check our own website in real time for all of you to watch. So you know that we take it very, very seriously. And if you agree with that, your support means the world to us. But we are going to have a members-only segment coming up just uh, after the show. It'll be up around 11 p.m. And that should be a whole lot of fun. We're going to talk a lot about spirituality and religion, I believe, among other stories, particularly the the tweet that Majid has that uh, YouTube would probably boot us for if we showed. But we'll we'll put up on the site. All right, let's read some Super Chats. All right, let's see. Trip Sucks says, Ian, 
I ordered you a couple 20-sided dice. One of them has only 20s on each side, and the other has only ones. Ah! Use them wisely. <laughs> Thanks, dude. Check the mail in a couple weeks. That's a 10% awesome. chance to roll a 20, then. It's better than one. 10. 5%. What do you mean? Well, you get a 5% <laughs> chance to hit every number on a 20-sided die. So Wait. if there's two 20s, then I have a 10% no, 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 chance no, no, no. to roll a 20. Every side. It's a two twenties, and then no. everything else is a 1. No. no. Ian, you're rolling a 1 there's, right now, there's man. You got to eat those dice. 20-sided dies. One of them has nothing but 20s. Oh, okay. One of them has nothing but 1s. There we go. I mean, you rolled a 1 already. <laughs> oh, I'm going to have to roll a die to find out which die I have oh, to roll. Right. <laughs> there you go. If it's greater yeah. than 10, you can roll the, you get a 20. <laughs> All right. Wired Knight says, I really see World War Three is right around the corner. Putin isn't going to stop. He is this era. Oh, man. He's saying this era, this era is Hitler down with Putin. Keep up the protests in Russia, and hopefully they'll take him in custody. Mm. I think they're being a bit sarcastic. Yeah. Well, he's not going to stop, but it won't trigger World War Three. I mean, do you really Hope think so? Not. Well, because I don't think I don't think Biden and I don't think Boris Johnson are going to retaliate in that way. That's he's already been asked to impose a no-fly zone. They haven't done so, and they won't yeah. do so. Ah, uh, man. When we had a guest on the show who said Russia will not invade and they will not go past Kharkiv, they will not, they won't go anywhere near Kharkiv. They're not going to go to Kiev. No, I'm, so we're not. So we've already been asked to impose a no-fly zone, and we've said no. Well, so, my, my point is, yeah. they could they could just do it. Do what? A no-fly zone. Who? The NATO, the UK, why or would, the US. So why would they though? Well, why did Russia invade, invade Kiev? But we know that, we know why Russia did it. For the, well, no, no, no. no. We've, See, we've had that discussion. Oh, what? Oh, oh, wait, no, 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 no. Hold on. A week ago, yeah. there there was only speculation from U.S. intelligence agencies that Russia would do this. Yeah. And as far as we knew, Russia, Putin said, no, we're just recognizing Donbass as independent. Yep. And then I said, I, I said, I don't think they're going to invade it. That's, that's, a, that's absurd. I don't know what they'd accomplish. You said that. I went yeah. on Rogan and said they would. And then he did. And he did a couple yeah. of days after. So maybe you're right on this yeah. one. And I, I don't think we're <laughs> going to impose a no-fly zone. And yeah. I, I want to yeah. make this point, too. Yeah. I, don't, I don't believe mutually assured destruction is a real thing. Okay. What do you, so, so, so if there's a mutual nuclear war, hmm. who stops? What do, you, what do you mean by who stops? So mutually assured destruction, the whole point of it is that you don't stop, right? You end up well, destroying each other. Right, right, right. So if I drop a nuke on you and you drop a nuke on me and I drop a nuke back on you, well, how does that stop? Why, why would, why would uh, you nuke me? So that's different to saying you don't think it's no, 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 no. mutually assured destruction. I'm going to use a Socratic method. Why, right. why would you nuke No, me? I wouldn't. No, no, no. I'm saying – I wouldn't. Choose, choose, no it, one it, would. <clears throat> Putin wouldn't. But mutually assured destruction is a doctrine that assumes somebody has in the first place. And the only relevance of the doctrine so why would is to someone, say that they wouldn't because it would, would lead to mutually assured destruction. No, 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 no. no. But, but it's not correct. Mm. Why would someone nuke – why, why would one country nuke why, – why would Putin nuke another country? So in theory why you do it is because you're going to lose a war. You don't have aerial superiority. And the only trump card you have is a nuclear weapon. And where do you, and you're where about do you send to, it? And you're about to lose, Right. right? Now, so, so where, where, where do you fire the nuclear weapon? What's your, what's your target? The country that's conquering you. But w- what's the target in the country? Say the capital city. For why, why, why the civilian capital? Is that where they have the, the weapons? But that's where they're... So wherever their leadership and command and control is, is where you think it's based. The, the, I mean, so that was maybe true 70 years ago. Yep. But we know for a fact now that certainly the United States' government is decentralized to a point that D.C. is not relevant to the, the or, or, uh, operation of the United States government. So there, there's, there's absolutely zero point in nuking civilians. DC. But right. Say, for example, you're Iran and you're Israel. And imagine Iran develops its nuclear capability to a point where it has a weapon, right? Mm-hmm. Israel isn't that large a country. 
Iran is basically do or die. They're about to lose the war, and they say, listen, either we lose and we all get killed, or we launch this bomb because I'd rather we end the war in this way, right? How would it end the war by killing civilians? It doesn't, it doesn't inhibit the military. But it, see, mutually assured destruction, what I'm trying to say is mutually assured destruction is a doctrine that only applies once you've launched a nuclear weapon. So my, my point what you're is, asking is why would you launch one in the first place? I don't think you would. No, 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 no. no. What my yeah. point is, if a nuke was headed in your direction, mm. and I as your military advisor came to you and said, we can't stop it, 10 million civilians will die, you have the option to kill 10 million civilians of your own, though. It's not going to stop anything, but certainly you can kill a bunch of innocent people. I, I don't believe that makes sense. Now, when it comes to ideology like uh, Iran, mm. well, they want to wipe, you know, wipe out Israel. That's mm. a different question. Mm. Uh, Israel may say we'll hit. I, I, I don't believe Israel would just be like, well, then murder all of the Iranian people. I don't believe that's true. I believe that I- Iran might might say, can we intercept? Do we have strategic, uh, you know, SDI defenses or things like that and, and try and stop nuclear weapons? And they may respond by targeting key mil- military infrastructure. But the idea that one country fires nukes targeting a civilian base, which doesn't stop the war in any capacity. And then the other country responds by blowing up the other country's civilians, which doesn't stop the war in any capacity. It makes but no sense y- at all. Y- you're applying reason and rational thought processes to somebody that decides to launch a nuclear weapon. Yep. And so an ideologically driven nation may not decide to launch a nuclear weapon for the reasons that you deem rational. And only if they're targeting another ideological nation mm. do you get mutually assured destruction. In the event of Russia, say... So it uh, could happen. It could happen in limited capacities yeah. between small, smaller nations. So like, North Korea and, say, uh, North Korea and... Not, not, I don't believe North Korea. Is, okay. So uh, sufficiently <clears throat> ideological nation. Iran and... So when you have, a, when, when you have like a desire to wipe out Israel for yep. long-standing, deep-seated issues... Yep. But I don't see Israel as the kind of nation that would respond by saying, let's, let's, let's just eradicate the Iranian people. You, you don't see Israel as a kind of nation that would say... Do you think the people of Israel want Retaliation to, demands this. Do you, well, I'll put it this way. Because I think, disagree with you there. Do you think the people of Israel want to mass genocide the Iranians? No, but... But uh, do you think the people of... Uh, at least a large portion of Iran wants to wipe out the Jewish And that's people? my point. That if Iran were to launch it, I do see Israel saying, they've now taken out a city, we demand revenge. Revenge isn't the same as wanting to wipe out a nation. Is the it's revenge, just revenge. Is the revenge on the civilians? It's that country struck us. We need to strike back. But I, I think that's uh, that may have made sense 70 years ago. I don't see that making sense today. Governments, I'm not so sure they, they would be looking to make sense. So uh, you also have to revenge. think about it from, from the individual. Yeah. When it comes to the West, I don't see an individual uh, on, on average, at least. Certainly there are some people who wouldn't care. But if, again, someone came to, if if you went to the average person and said, there's a bomb that's going to kill, you know, 10 million people, you can't stop it. These 10 million people will die in two hours. Mm. You can respond by killing 10 million people. Press the button. Yeah. It's, it's like, um, I, I, I just don't, I don't see a a human emotional response, not a logical one. I don't see a human emotional response being like, better kill a bunch of civilians. It's more like, but I could also see somebody, in a situation where nukes are heading towards their country saying, well, these people are clearly comfortable launching nukes. And if we don't launch something back, they could kill a bunch of other innocent people when they have gotten the message from us that you can just nuke someone without retaliation. Well, keep in mind, the only time that nukes have been used, it was used twice, right? For yeah. two cities. Yep. So you drop one on Hiroshima. It doesn't end the war. You then drop one on Nagasaki. So say Iran launches one, takes out one city. 
There's a rational thought process, which I even question would be the thought process, but let's follow that logic. There's a rational thought process that could say, hey, they might target another city unless we retaliate as a deterrent. The reason but that's assuming they're thinking rationally. I don't even think at that point people would. Yeah, the thing about I, nuclear I people, destruction is that they've already lo- the country's not going to launch one. They launch eighty yeah, yeah. at all the cities why, at why once. Not? It's destru- you're, you're, why, why, the assurance why? of destruction is that you have already decided we are going to be destroyed in twenty minutes completely. Now what are we going to do? And with that's killed a bunch of civilians outside. Well, look, I don't know. Like this, Seamus if, made a good why, point. Why, why are you arguing for the doctrine here? Why does that this, is the doctrine? But this, it makes it makes no sense. That's the point of it. That's why nobody would launch a nuclear war. That's that's not. I, I believe that makes literally no sense. Yeah. Russia invaded Ukraine, and yeah. the West, you say, is going to do nothing. They won't. No. There is no, no mutual drive towards. Inf- in, in, Ukraine is getting flattened yeah. in many areas by Russia, yeah. and the U.S. should, or, or, or these countries should be like, how dare Russia? We have every reason because we were trying to win over Ukraine, but they won't do it because They're- of mutually assured destruction. And, and because they're all attack. conquering and countries themselves. They took Libya. Russia they took is Iraq. able to launch an attack and no one responds. If they launch a nuke, no one will respond. That's my point. Right. No, but they won't launch a nuke. Russia did invade. Yeah. No one invaded back. That's because right. we've been invading. Because Russia yeah. knows we yeah. fear mutually assured destruction. Yeah. And they don't. I think that the world's carving up the world right now. The superpowers are taking. Yeah. We took We took Libya. We took it. I mean, that's like yeah. an American colony right now or like a puppet state or something. I think you're arguing what that is the doctrine of mutually assured destruction. What that, you're that, that someone could launch a nuke and no one will do anything about it? No, that nobody will for that reason. That so, nobody so will because it makes no sense. My point is... And nobody has. In, in, in any facet of war that yeah. involves civilian death, right now Russia has engaged in a campaign which has resulted in civilian death and no one is doing anything about it. So if So Vladimir Putin knows if he were to launch strategic, tactical, or uh, nuclear artillery, no one will respond. If the idea was that launching a nuclear weapon assured your own destruction, the U.S. and NATO would go and flatten Russians for, Russia's forces, at least in Ukraine. That, that's the bit I'm not getting. Why? So Russia doesn't need to launch tactical nuclear weapons to do what they're doing in Ukraine because they're what, already doing it, right? So they what, would what only asking, go to that next level is if there was an escalation. Why does mutually assured destruction only apply to one type of warfare? To nuclear warfare. Oh, yeah. yeah it could be a digital war. The nature of the weapon. But what, what about cyber war, infrastructure, dis- destruction of water pipelines? The U.S. could use surreptitious methods to wipe out Russia. They're not doing anything. That we know of. Yeah. There's, there's low-scale stuff like yeah. the trains slowing down or something. Funding. So, are they so, funding it? So I'm not, I'm not sure a uh, – say, for example, let's say we, you hack the, uh, the water supply. I'm not sure it leads to that same – the nature of immediate, absolute, and total destruction of a city is what we're talking of that would lead to that – retaliation i still think there's that doctrine applies and uh I, I can see why it would be a deterrent because of that doctrine and it's held for so long why nobody has launched a nuclear war in, uh, against anybody else because it would lead to that kind of situation I, where i i think where nobody wins and everyone loses i think the idea the idea of mutual history destruction is born out of a lack of understanding of human human behavior and nature and I think certainly, you know, the chat is lighting up saying I'm wrong. Yeah, I think but, you are. But they don't know because about... Because you're assuming human behavior is rational. No, I'm absolutely not. I'm absolutely not. You're asking why it would make sense not, like, why you're destroying my city would mean I'd have to destroy your my, city. My back. question is... There's no reason at that point. Why is it that Vladimir Putin can launch an invasion no one responds to? That's the point, right? No, 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 why is it so so this idea that I've not been given a sufficient response as to why only nuclear weapons 
are the special category of we kill each other. Because it's total destruction. It's, it, it, it's, it's not, though. That's the problem. Bombing a city does not end the war. It may have 70 years ago. But today, when we had January 6th, these protesters thought by occupying a building, they would have some impact on government. And that makes literally no sense in a digital age. We know that we through Directive 51, through uh, what used to be the NORAD strategic defense in, in Denver, we had underground military bunkers. I think you would be absolutely naive not to, uh, to, to believe so we don't country. have. You're a country. Right. And I decide for whatever reason I've had enough and I launch nuclear weapons. I'm not going to launch one. I'm going to launch whatever, 80, to all of your cities, right? They're now coming. What are you going to do? You're the country. What do you do? Nothing. I've now launched them already. Nothing. <laughs> then I win. I've won if you don't do anything. Just like Vladimir Putin has already done. No, but he hasn't launched nuclear weapons. I'm not talking about nukes. Yeah. That's I'm what talking mad about. Is, mad I'm applies only to nuclear war. But that, so it makes no sense. That's why, that's why nobody will do it. Vladimir Putin is of, is of the idea that yeah. mad doesn't exist, which is why he invaded Ukraine and is telling everybody, screw off, I got nukes. And they all say, we're scared of this, so we'll do nothing. But if, if this logic applies, Russia would have been scared of a retaliation they're not scared of, which shows an aggressor can attack and expect no retaliation. It happens all the time. So I'm not sure you're... So look, mad as a doctrine only... I, I, I know what it is. No, but I'm not saying you don't know what it is. I'm saying I'm not sure you're applying it in this context correctly. Putin isn't worried about retaliation. When he says, I, I have nuclear weapons, he's saying, if you, if you declare a war against me, then war by definition is a total war, which means it will become a nuclear war. Mm. That is mad in effect. That is mad literally being played out right that's the whole point that he, the reason why nobody's doing anything is because of the doctrine of mad. it's a, it's a question of will soldiers indiscriminately kill civilians i'm of the opinion the answer is mostly no not always so when given the instruction to fire a nuke on a civilian target explicitly a civilian target I am of the opinion that people like in Vietnam, the soldiers were firing over the heads of the Viet Cong, resulting in them getting killed, that most humans are too terrified to actually be the person to murder 10 million people. Now, there are some people that would, but this is a big problem, I believe, still persists within human behavior. When uh, uh, there was a bank robbery, this is a famous story, it's an ur- it's, it's, it may be apocryphal, but there's a story, and try, try fact me on this one. A bunch of guys go into a bank to rob it, and the security guard stands there and does nothing. They walk up to him, they point the gun at him and say, give me your weapon. And he does. He was later asked, why didn't you do anything to stop him? And he says, I, I, I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know what to do. It's like, well, you're the armed guard whose intention, they don't want to kill anybody. That, that people don't want to kill anybody. It takes a special kind of conditioning to be, I, I just, I, I, this idea. You know, he's not a soldier, is he? But the idea that any person, like a soldier, I'm, I'm, I'm imagining an American soldier. I don't believe in war in the world of comic book villains. I don't believe that Russian soldiers are all like mustache twirling villains like no. Cobra Command. To go to an 18 to 24 year old kid or maybe someone a little, little bit older who's got the keys to the nuclear, you know, uh, command and they're going to be like, I want you to execute 10 million civilians. And for the average human being be like, you got it, boss, mm-hmm. killing 10 million people right now. Mm-hmm. I don't 
think most people would agree to do it. No, but that's not that. The people that do it are the ones that are trained to do it, right? But the one instance we've had where we came close to it was a story that we talked about the other day with the nuclear submarine and the guy on the ship. There's two captains saying we should. One guy said no, and he stopped them from firing when they what was it? They thought they were being yeah, attacked. It was three officers. I don't know if they were all captains mm-hmm. or whatever, but they thought they had gone and um, that they the U.S. had uh, destroyers in the area and they were in a nuclear sub and there was depth charges going off and apparently they were practice depth charges. They didn't know. They thought that a shooting war had started and they were like, we got to fire nuclear uh torpedoes and then the two ca- the two officers were like yeah and then the third guy alexi i believe is his name said no we need to wait for a command from moscow before we fire and then eventually they surfaced and they communicated with the destroyers and found out there was no warning basically they say he prevented world war three in that moment mm. by refusing to fire. i think there's some people who would do it but i think well people did do it in history did, did, did what drop a nuke the United States did. Yeah. And we did it because yeah. if we Twice. did a ground invasion, we would have lost more people. That was I mean, the I, argument. I, I'm not going into the justice. I'm saying people yeah. did it. That's the point. So some people but this are is, trained to do it. But this is, you know, absolutely I agree. Yeah. I just think the the idea that we see in movies where all the missiles are flying at each other is just – it's movie movie beliefs that people just think is true. They, they, they're basing their ideology off of like war games with Matthew Broderick or G.I. Joe. Well, well, I mean that's – because it won't happen. But that's the whole point of the doctrine, that it won't happen. So what you see depicted in movies is what the doctrine says will not happen. Mutually assured destruction is a doctrine that essentially argues that that scenario you've just depicted, that is a very unrealistic unre- scenario, will not happen for that reason. So the issue is, I, I see what you're saying. The problem, I think, especially people in the chat who are saying one, the idea would be that Russia decides I'm going to blow up Amsterdam. Well, why would he? He would target a military base or an airport first. The use of a a tactical nuclear device, nuclear artillery, gravity bombs, or otherwise would be on strategic targets to help them win a conflict. Yeah. So he wouldn't do that, right? The only time the doctrine kicks in is because the only reason you could conceive of using a nuclear weapon is out of a necessity to defeat the enemy when you have no other option left. Otherwise, it wouldn't make sense. And the whole point of the doctrine is that by the time you get to that necessity, you realize that it's going to lead to mutually assured destruction. So the point of that um, resort uh, in necessity isn't really, it doesn't make the difference. The, the, but the mutu- so, so I guess to clarify, the mutually assured destruction would be of military and not civilian targets. It's yeah. total war yeah. is everything. Because yeah. if the so, civilians are making the steel that is well, this, being this, used, then I they're think, military. I, I think we've come I to something. Winning or losing the war. Right? I think we've come yeah. to a, yeah. a, 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 a uh, development on the idea, which is important. It's the governments that yeah. lose. Yeah. The people would end up being mostly fine. I don't think yeah. so. If you yeah, did a full well. nuclear strike of the U.S., people all – it would be mass migration towards the farms in the middle of the country. People would be starving and going towards the suburbs, and it would be full chaos. The economy would be shredded to zero. No electricity, no water. Yeah, um, but still, you'd, you'd have whatever. Uh, somebody living in, say, Indonesia would be fine, right? Hopefully. As in, well, I mean, there'd be a, a global economic disaster, but they wouldn't be dead. Uh, for I, all I, I know, I, the U.S. Uh, would nuke the entire planet in that moment. I don't know. That would be insane. I, I, I think, yeah. you know, so what you're saying is... The, it's the governments the, that lose. The, the mutually assured destruction is just, uh, we have no choice but to do it if you do, to deter you from doing it in the first place. And that's why I'd argue it hasn't happened and won't happen. It doesn't make sense for it to happen, and that's what the doctrine states as well. I think we'll see the use of tactical nukes. Uh, people, people need to understand the, the uh, when, so, when, which conflict, as in not in this conflict, right? Not at with, some point, not with Russia in. in Ukraine. I think it's possible, but I don't know no, if it's. No, 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 it won't happen. But well, I'm not. I'm not talking about. Uh, uh, I'm not talking about what I love to cite as you know Mervs. I'm not yeah. talking about. Uh, you know, uh, I think it's possible we see like kiloton bombs. 
So one Radioactive, uh, yeah, I mean, nuclear artillery, look, et cetera. Dirty weapons, biological warfare, that's where we're at these days, right? One of the reasons I don't think nukes are going to happen is in particular because what you've got is, a, for a long time, U.S. military leadership has long recognized Russia's strategic national interests in uh, eastern Ukraine on that eastern side of that river that we were speaking about earlier to the point where I, I posted this video on my feed actually um, uh, 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 Colonel McGregor from the US military was on Fox and um, he, he, he perfectly articulates as a US colonel perfectly articulates what Putin's desire is with eastern Ukraine and then acknowledges that they've been aware of this for a long time. Now keep in mind of course that if you're a serving US military officer, you don't get to set what US policy is in, for example, funding as a battalion or whatever. That's not the military that sets that policy. But the military being aware of this, it kind of indicates to me, and this has been around for years, this kind of idea that, you know, we can't keep pushing NATO eastwards. US military have been making these noises for for a long time. I think to be honest, we're probably past the peak and the worst, I'd say of Russia's assault in Ukraine. If we operate under the assumption that mutually assured destruction is the is correct, that means Russia is going to win and they're going to keep advancing. In Ukraine? In, they will win in Ukraine. They will take it. They will. Uh, Putin will get exactly what he wants and he'll stop only when he decides. He'll stop at the river. You think, if well, I think they're already past the river with uh, but that's where he'll, Odessa, right? But that's where he'll, for example, where he, when he calls it he quits. He splits the country. Yeah, he'll stop. Because it's not, his, it's not you, in his, his own interest to go any further. Did you see the map that Belarus had that showed an attack into Moldova, Transnistria? Yeah, I've been hearing about that. Yeah. Belarus yeah. showed a map that depicted four attack vectors that have happened. Yeah. Several that haven't. Some have argued it is that they haven't happened yet. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that we have evidence to suggest it's predictive or just speculative, but it does show accurately four attacks from Russia. Could be fake because then it get the enemy to put their troops in the wrong spot. To well, Russia already occupies Transnistria with about a thousand soldiers. So if Russia is planning on moving into Moldova, into this disputed territory to stage troops, that means they're planning a Western assault on Ukraine. If that's the case, then maybe I, they just want Moldova. Or it could be fake because if it gets NATO to put troops in Moldova when they're not needed, then but it's so, like so good. They he doesn't need it. Western Ukraine. He needs Eastern Ukraine. What he wants in Western Ukraine, as McGregor said in the interview, we can pull it up if you want. It's quite good actually. What, what he wants in Western Ukraine is a neutral Ukraine as it was pre 2014. That's all he wants. And, and if you understand it, if I'm, so this is where it really winds me up that we've banned, uh, Russia today and all these like Russian, propaganda channels they are state-owned propaganda channels but if i'm playing chess with you it helps me to know your strategy if i want to win now why would i if you're telling me your strategy why would i silence your voice if i'm playing against you right so this is why it makes no sense to silence russian media you want to understand what they're saying if you're competing against them but so far what we know is that comfortably we can say that putin wants a neutral pre-2014 style neutral ukraine now because he didn't get that He'll probably be happy with a Western Ukraine that's neutral and an Eastern Ukraine that's under his sphere of influence. I think, I think that's where he's going to end. We went a little long, but we'll read some super chats. Go for it. Yeah. Uh, is that where we were going to be? Oh, we I were going to be reading. I got so, the guy's name. It's Vasily Arkhipov is the Russian officer. So we have, uh, uh, uh Ryan says, Tim is just pissed because the chili story didn't take, uh, didn't, <laughs> uh, because the chili story don't take it out on your guest. Uh, no, I'm not pissed about that. Um, but then someone actually responded, the Chile law is legit. It seeks to prevent discrimination against workers who may de- de- uh, develop genetic pathologies, but are not yet disabled. Keep up the good work. Love from Santiago. So that's someone uh, saying uh, so someone from that might get disabled in the future from a current genetic thing. They want right. to make sure they're, they're protected. So uh, 
Ghost of Recon says, Tim, the purpose of mutually assured destruction is to ensure that if a country were to launch a nuclear strike, the destruction would be ensured before the first nuke lands. This makes it completely unreasonable and unpalatable to fire nukes in the first place. Uh, my response to that is, I think it's interesting that people are saying, I don't understand human nature when they're making assumptions about what humans would do in a situation that's never happened. My point is, mutually assured destruction is predictive, uh, is predicting human behavior on a circumstance that's never happened with no reason to believe and no evidence to suggest it, sh- it would. My, my belief is that humans are averse to killing, but, uh, you know, as, as, as much as they could be. And, it's strange to me that people are adamant something that's never happened would happen with no evidence to believe it would. You've seen Alien nice. 2? Yeah. Do you remember just, the guy just, goes in, the aliens well, are trying to did, kill the guy, and he's like, ah, and he pulls out the grenade the and only, blows the, everybody The up. only thing I've ever seen is assured. that nukes were dropped on Japan, and it worked, and we won. No, and they everyone, didn't have nukes, though. But it's not just Japan. Yeah. No one else did anything. Yeah. But, no, no, no other country said, whoa, they just wiped out hundreds of thousands of civilians. They said, America wins. To be fair, MAD only applies in the context of both countries having nukes. I'm just saying yeah. that... Um, that's never happened before. Yep, and yep. so we have no evidence to suggest it would, just speculation. And what has happened before is we've used devastating uh, uh, nuclear weapons with no retaliation at all in any capacity. The evidence we do have as, uh, in terms of human nature is that what we do know is that human behavior isn't always rational and that revenge is a powerful emotion. And so, that if you shot at me, I know that a human reaction is to shoot back. Now, whether that's not been done with nukes before, we don't need that to conclude that if you arms races happen right so if you escalate an arms race i escalate back from emotion we know that happens so there is some evidence to indicate that it would escalate and that's the evidence based on existing human behavior with what happens in retaliation and revenge and seamus brought up an interesting point like can you let that person win if there's like a dictatorship that launched nukes at your country you can't let them if you're okay maybe you're just gonna let yourself get wiped out but like are you gonna let them control the planet now it's, That's, it's, and that emotion it's, it's can be crazy. It's a question remarkably complicated that I think I'm just surprised people are so definitive on. Yeah. Mm. So I mean, we, martyr, we, we, martyrdom in the Iranian... You're right, though. In the Iranian concept, the ideological motive is also worth considering. Martyrdom as a concept, insert there as well. We have this from Dan Pitt. He says, Tim, bro, like I said yesterday, if nukes were launched at the U.S., a retaliatory strike would be launched with no hesitation. I was on submarines. Trust me, the birds would fly. The issue is... Uh, people seem to have a very uh, American perspective on how the response would be. I'm talking about uh, if if Russia n- nuked any country on the planet. Do you think if Russia nuked, you know, Sri Lanka, there would be a retaliatory strike? Sri Lanka would... doesn't have nukes, but say Pakistan, right, and right. India, they they destroy this, each this, other. This, this is my, my so this they would is... destroy each other. I can guarantee you that Pakistan. But there's would... ideology there. Yeah, that's so the that's... point. But then most nuclear powers have ideology. So I, I think the uh, I don't believe the U.S. Is mo- I think it's governed more by I think this country has lost ideology for sure. I think we're we're fractured and we're driven more by conquest and power of corporate elites and neolibs and neocons. Mm. But uh, uh, but I digress. I think the issue is people who have nukes don't have the same ideologies. They don't have the same beliefs. They don't have the same uh, intentions. The U.S. certainly might do this. A lot of people seem to have an, an American perspective. Yes, we will nuke you. Don't you dare. But what about other countries? Would they do the same thing? I, I don't believe there's a uniform response to this. And the only evidence I've seen is that after the U.S. dropped nukes, certainly other countries would have reason to declare war on the United States for such an egregious action. Certainly, I mean, I suppose bombing uh, two major uh, cities in Japan, they just said, we give up, you know? Yeah, I mean, look, you've got to consider why Iran's chasing nukes at the moment. I think people, nations consider it as a leveler. Yeah. And uh, that's because they're subscribing to mutually assured destruction as a doctrine. 
the reason Iran wants nukes is it knows it cannot defeat Israel in conventional military terms and wants to therefore level up with Israel. And the only way it can do that is through nuclear weapons. I wonder if this is like an, uh, an Islamic allegory because I was, I was trying to get into Islam and understand it. And what it looked like is Muhammad was teaching them like peace at all cost unless you're backed into a corner and you have no choice. Then you fight like hell. And so the U.S. invasion of Iraq and Afghanistan has put these people in the corner and now they're like, well, jihad or whatever you want to call it. But and so the, that's kind of the mutually assured destruction thing. Like if you're going to attack me and put me in a corner, my faith dictates that I do this. Well, I mean, that's why I mentioned martyrdom. If you've got a psychology in a nation that would prefer death over defeat, you and uh, I would argue that's why nukes were dropped on Japan, because they wouldn't surrender, because mm. the, the the mindset prior to the end of that war in the Japanese imperial mindset was very much, if you think in terms of samurai dignity honor warrior mindset was very much that's why they would fall on their sword which is where that idea comes from that they would prefer um taking their own lives than defeat on the battlefield now in the muslim version of that it's martyrdom over defeat so where you prefer death to defeat uh, that could be the japanese version of falling on your own sword in the islamic version of that you wouldn't just kill yourself you'd want to take out as many of the enemy with you as possible before you die because you believe there's something after that so it's not irrational within the internal logic of that mindset you think you're taking out as many of your enemy as possible and then you end up in some eternal paradise so you're not actually dying you're going to an eternal life and you've also killed the enemy in the process yeah there's something glorious about a hero that sacrifices him or herself for to, to destroy the enemy but that's very the important point i'm making here is it's very real for the person that believes that it's real it's more real for the person that believes it than any form of real is for somebody that doesn't believe anything. Like, it's hard mm. to explain that mindset. It's a 100% conviction yeah. that this is what's going to happen, and it's done willingly and with honor, and then is celebrated. I would love to talk about that on the after show, maybe. Well, yeah. so, so yeah, we have a, like, you know, I think we've, we, we might be getting a little circular on the mad stuff, mm -hmm. and a lot of the super chats are just making similar points and kind of just joining the argument, so I don't want to just rehash all the same stuff. But, uh, other than that, we have a bunch of people pointing out that the Chile story is correct, but it's it's poorly framed. That the the story in Chile was uh, about non discrimination for people with genetic disorders, like I'd assumed, and that we we needlessly included information. The original source was Daily Expose. So uh, let me see. This is uh, Marco Antonio Aravena says Chilean here. Alterations in this context means issue or problem. If we were talking about modification, we would be talking about gene therapy also is a work law against discrimination. So it appears to be true, but when you translate it, it doesn't translate properly without someone from Chile explaining to you. There was no the need means. to connect you to vaccinations then in right. the article, if that's the case. And that's what the Daily yeah. Expose had done. Yeah, They had said, you know, they, they'd linked them, and we we sh certainly should have done that. But I've been explicit with the with the crew before, don't combine stories, hmm. because it's like nebulous connections. Yeah. Well, so here's what we're going to do. We argued a bit too much, and I don't want to go uh, uh, too late. So we're going to go to... We're going to go to uh, the members-only uh, discussion. So head over to TimCast.com and become a member if you want to support our work. If you uh, appreciate the fact-checking and real-time corrections and scrutiny we have for even our own work, and you want to help support our journalists as we continue to do better and get it right, please become a member. But also, 
We're going to record that members only segment. It'll be up around 11 or so PM. So you don't want to miss it. It's going to be fun. I really appreciate your guys' support. Everybody's helping make it possible. You can follow the show at Timcast IRL. You can follow me at Timcast. Magic, do you want to shout anything out your show, your socials? Just watch out on my, for Odyssey spelled O-D-Y-S-E-E. Watch out for my new show that's going to appear on there. Uh, give it a couple of weeks to a month uh, until we get ready. Meanwhile, you can find me on Substack. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and get it at Majid Noahs. Right on. Seamus. What's up, homie? I am Seamus Coglin. I doctor. The love doctor Coglin. Those are my credentials. Trust the science. Believe me on these issues. I run a YouTube channel called Freedom Tunes. We do cartoons. We release a new one every single Thursday, which means we're going to have one out tomorrow about Obama's... I'm sorry, Biden's. What's wrong with me? No, I'm not... Oh, Biden? The gaffes are contagious. Uh, <laughs> we're going to be uh, releasing a cartoon tomorrow on Biden's State of the Union. I think you guys will enjoy it. I am Ian Crossland. I'm looking forward to seeing you guys again. You can follow me, iancrossland.net. And if you want to see our multi-video camera thing at some point in the future, give me a solid 100 in the chat. <laughs> Catch you later. <laughs> nice. I was going to say, that Chilean law actually does sound like a real thing because I have like a genetic disorder that somebody could technically fire me for. So I'm kind of glad that it's a thing. Really curious where it's coming from, whether it's a WEF or something, and probably not vaccines. But anyway, I digress now. You guys can follow me on Twitter and minds.com at sourpatchlids. We will see all of you over at TimCast.com in that special members-only segment. We are going to discuss religion and spirituality. It should be a lot of fun. And uh, maybe we'll solve all the world's problems. Thanks for hanging out. We'll see you all then. Bye.